0: You're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID
1: if you have these vaccinations.
2: Hey, folks, guess you heard. This morning, I tested positive for
1: COVID. And when people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected.
3: Dr. Fauci says he has COVID again.
1: If you've done the right thing and
2: gotten vaccinated, you deserve the freedom to be safe from COVID-19. And this morning, I learned I. I tested positive for COVID-19 as well.
3: There three doses that we prevented, not just from serious illness, but from
0: getting this virus, this Omicron variant, and therefore giving it to others.
2: Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews is in quarantine for seven days after testing positive to COVID.
1: So I, I'm fully vaccinated. It gives me some comfort.
2: Anthony Albanese has just tested positive for coronavirus.
1: Uh, having received two doses of AstraZeneca, it's a very effective vaccine, protection from symptomatic illness, and therefore, less transmission. tested for covid
3: i have actually never had a covid test
1: this doesn't surprise me in the slightest not even a little bit not even a little bit
3: not even a little bit i dodged and weaved i didn't get vaxxed i've gotten covid and i feel fine about it
1: okay okay
3: what about you joel uh i dropped out of society <laughs> so that i didn't test for covid <laughs> i hate taking tests
1: what's going on everybody this is liberty af podcast episode two coming at you bi-weekly obviously based on our schedule (laughs) (laughs) we're we're early for for the second it's a little early early i thought thought it would actually take longer (laughs) um i think we did our actual first one back in january wasn't it like so 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 that's right when we all got covid (laughs) yeah yeah oh shit yeah you're right um so, yeah, we've got uh, myself, Josh, we got Isaac and Joel on deck for the uh, second episode with no particular uh, outline or agenda because that's just lame. Uh, I mean, it's not, we have them in our heads, but n- not any kind of like formal, do you know, we, takedown. I, do we? <laughs> do we I, I actually I, have a guys, couple things. Good. I have a couple things. I have no thing. Um, But it's always fun to kick off with a couple of uh, gaffes, if you will. So, um, yeah, this was one of my favorites from the last couple of weeks.
2: That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why I can't for the longest time, Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, like it's, he's bragging. Yeah. It's, I, was, I was a senator forever in this state.
1: And it's so terrible. So, everybody gets cancer. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like I this, know. Isn't,
3: isn't that an indictment against himself? Kind of. Because
1: it almost sounded like he for, was also aware of why it was happening. Yeah, like who's who's to be held responsible? I'm going to Washington for you, people, right? For Didn't 40 years. Say
0: COVID? I thought that
1: was no, no. This was the this was the cancer, cancer
3: gaff where he says, no. "I got cancer." I and, and so many others have cancer in,
1: in the state of Delaware because of like uh, they were, you know their proximity to some sort of refinery. So he's saying he's that's like,
2: why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer, and why I can't <laughs> for the longest time. Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation. Like when
0: you
1: were Senator. (laughs) Does does he have cancer currently? That's what everyone's asking.
3: (laughs) We really can't take him seriously no matter
1: what he says. So, well, he's a liar. The one thing that he kind of had going for him was his handler at the time or has been for a long time. I mean, he has his handlers, but Jill has kind of always been like, I always feel like she's in the background waiting for him to fall to do a trust fall catch (laughs) Or something like that. And, <laughs> you know, now she's off the she's deep a, end. She's a doctor of catching old people. She's she's a doctor of um, identifying just, people. Well, she, of, she
0: did early childhood development. Was that her degree? Yeah. 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 So, but that kind of makes sense for handling him because, you know, as you get old, <laughs>
3: old people turn into like infants Children. again. Yeah. So did you see the clip of him trying to put on his sport coat today? No. I'm, he I was, was standing next to the um, Marine One and he's trying to take put his sport coat on but it's windy yeah so he's struggling uh and then jill goes to help him and kind of makes it worse and the whole time he's putting it on his sunglasses are falling off slowly and he finally gets his jacket on and his sunglasses just fall right off his face
1: (laughs) do you think he thinks that his aviators are as cool as clinton
3: playing the saxophone on saturday night live dude how do you feel when you Or
1: actually it might have been a late night show It might have been in saturday night Night Live, but it was a late night show
3: how do you feel when you put aviators on don't you feel like Tom Cruise? Like, don't until you feel I like, look in the mirror. Yeah, I mean, but, but I like, guess when I can, you put them on, you're like, I am I, fucking <clears throat> badass. So I have an Ernie I've head. Never felt that before in my entire life. I've <laughs> never seen you wear aviators. No, I never would. I don't think I've ever
1: seen Joel <laughs> wear aviators. I was gonna say like I my I have an Ernie head. So like my wife and I have this like thing where people either have a Burt head or an Ernie head. Because <laughs> a Burt head is like more straight on the sides. Like Joel's got a Burt head. <laughs> isaac's in between and i am like flat out ernie i have a head. if you have an ernie head it's more roundish you know and so if you wear aviators it's like it's like it just looks like a watermelon like with sunglasses on on, right (laughs) so i have to get glasses that are kind of more contoured to my bone structure
0: well i have i have a legit bird head my head's very narrow yeah that's what i'm saying you have a bird head i can't well but it's way more narrow than most people's I have just a so, small head. I think you have Bert Extreme. So well, but when I wear aviators and regular glasses that other people wear, they stick out like four <laughs> inches. <laughs> yeah, side. It So, stupid.
3: so my point is, is that aviators <laughs> oh, create, <there's> a point. <laughs> they create a persona. Okay, like, and I think Biden gets off on feeling like a tough guy. That's why he challenges other old men to come fights. on, man, not a joke. He's like. I will zero to 60. Let's and have a push up contest right now. Like he challenged an old man to a push up contest while he was campaigning for president. I think he gets off on the aviator persona. I think that's why he wears them.
1: Well, and he's worn them a long time. I mean, it's cool. I'm not saying he looks is, bad with them on. you never flown an aircraft? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, flown an aircraft? Are you really an aviator? Are you really? I mean, it's right. I'm a naval aviator. It's <laughs> my call sign. Um, so, this one was this one was kind of entertaining too. I mean, I'm just kind of picking on the president, the VP. But
3: I mean, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. <laughs> like when I
1: first when I first saw that, I was just like, does everyone in the room? Plus, everyone should just know who the VP is. Pretty much, who's involved in any kind of policy or anything. She's sitting at the table with her name tag
3: is she that insecure and, that she has to tell everybody that
1: she's the vp and, and the thing, so what i gather was that she was probably prompted to say it because like oh, for I'm, audio podcasts yeah. like they're not visually seeing it but at the same time it's kind of like all she has to do is to say you know I'm like, I'm Vice President Kamal Harris on who's, who's, uh, uh, my pronouns and uh, uh, I'm sitting at a table inside of a ha- inside of a building and uh, you know
3: it's like I, I I know who you are I get it so you're listening to the recording of this and you're like who is that talking <laughs> Oh yeah the cocksucker <laughs> I remember <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh a good geez. role model <laughs> So that's how you get ahead girls
1: <laughs> Oh wow Well played sir That was pretty good um, I, I just
3: it's so things things are just weird. I guess is what my kind of like I'm so highlighting. So Pelosi is out there in Taiwan, looking like your drunk great grandmother, and she like they purposely brought attention to her trip to Taiwan sure. by making it like it was in the news a couple
1: of days before she even went to really it, notify. Weeks, yeah. weeks
3: before they made it an international incident, they're like China's going to shoot her out of the sky, right? So they want everybody yeah, we, to notice so her. Lucky. Yeah, you know,
1: That was never going to happen. Well, because because then everyone could say, because she just, she went, was like, how brave.
3: Yeah, but, so brave. but my point is, is like, they're purposely drawing attention to her, and then she gets up there and mumbles through this foreign policy, or, you know, the speech about Taiwan. She's not making any sense at all. She's practically shaking from the DTs, and this is our representative that they wanted to put on a pedestal in front of the world stage. Like not Chuck Schumer, I like Nancy better, Pelosi. I
0: liked it better when she was wearing like African garb, pandering. Oh pandas. yeah, that was the best.
1: Yeah.
3: This is how incompetent our leadership is. That like, like their their plan ahead was supposed to make to sure be
0: leadership. They're supposed to be public servants, and they're not serving the public. And it's it couldn't be more blatantly obvious. They're all stinking rich from insider trading, and they just really they don't give a shit about their
3: constituents that's been true for a long time but it's never been so obvious except
0: I th- except i think half the population doesn't think it's obvious they think that's like just a lie that's being perpetuated
1: by the alt right uh, part of it so, too is if if you don't watch the media on a consistent basis like every single night after dinner and like you're not deprogrammed yet to recognize that something is so ludicrous it's so outlandish and just like obvious you know because you're basically watching this force-fed narrative in a certain style format with all the packages and everything Uh, you're you're just programmed for that cadence of information delivery you know so it just starts let's
3: let's think back to 2002 and 2003 to the run-up to the iraq war Hmm. was it obvious back then that the conservatives were just shilling for so i I thought so but i i I I was new in my
0: discovery of kind of libertarianism at the time right and so i was hyper aware of it and i kept telling people like "Uh, this department of homeland security thing this sounds like a bad idea because eventually it's going to be turned around and pointed right at
3: you right so you know but it seems like there is rampant incompetence at the top now. That seems to me the difference between 2002 and 2003 and right now.
0: I think it just makes it clear that it's never, it's not really the president that's running the show.
1: Well, and at that time too, you know, you had, uh, you know, you had, you had Cheney kind of,
0: yeah, he was behind much- the
1: scenes, and it was actually working because the guy was actually, I mean, he he was a total tool, you know, but he wasn't an idiot. He wasn't senile, right. And he knew, he wasn't really a a straightforward, like, spokeshole. He rarely really engaged in in kind of media interviews or anything like that, but he was pulling the strings. You had some, you had, though you may not agree with what he was doing, I don't, you know, as far as, you know, basically. uh, He eviscerated the Constitution. Correct, 100%. 100%. Um, but,
3: But he was really good at his execution, yeah, yeah, he did a fantastic job at, at his job. He was he was quite good at what he did. Um, something hit me today. I saw a post about uh, it's a good thing Alex Jones is not smoking crack and doing international business deals on his dad's name because then he'd really be in trouble. And it really right. made me think about it's absurd that Alex Jones is in the news for all of the – Uh, things he said about Sandy Hook and he's being hit with these tens of millions of dollar lawsuits by the families. And so he's getting his ass nailed to the wall for saying that Sandy Hook wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And Hunter Biden's on camera smoking crack with a gun in his hand. And he hasn't even so much as been charged with a crime. And everybody knows that Hunter was doing this. Nobody's even denying it anymore. Mm hmm. But it's just like, we're not even going to talk about it. Right.
0: No. Well, and I don't know if you went and looked at any of the stuff from the torrent that they released. Like, no. I looked at it a
3: little bit until I felt like I was about to break some laws by looking at it. I, I, I
0: looked at some of the text threads uh, that other that people like said look specifically at this one. And like it's pretty clear that Joe Biden was running interference for Hunter to get him out of trouble. You know, he he said you're clear, in the clear, about the the Chinese deal. Mm. And, you know, he outright lied about that. But that's
3: not covered. Um, well, so politicians thrive yeah. on ambig- ambiguity, right? Yeah. And they were able to skate by for so long on it. But there's been so many things lately that they're just are not ambiguous at all. And they're still skating by. It's... disturbing
0: they're getting a pass i mean they're all they all have the same sponsors i think is Mm -hmm. the issue the media and and the executive branch i think have the same sponsorship corporate sponsorship so they're gonna carry the same message
3: it's very depressing you have to make light of it in order to not drown in it Mm -hmm. it's it's literal fascism that's actually what fascism is is Mm -hmm. the corporate and government basically becoming like one entity so that the corporations have the force of law behind them. Yeah. Right. And, and the government's got the power through the money. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's happening in China right now, you know, with all of the failing banks and the, and they're just taking their money out. Like it's not your money. It's not your money. And the problem is, is that the Chinese government, because like, you know, bank funds are, are insured by the government like FDIC they have they have a similar insurance in China for their banks if they fail the problem is is that there's a loophole where if the banks are identified doing fraudulent practices or exercising fraudulent banking practices then the insurance is a null and void oh. and so i think within the last week the fifth bank has failed because they've had over 10x leverage on their fractional reserve lending.
3: What?
1: Over 10x. And so all these Do they do they do that in the United States the the leveraged? I don't know how high we leverage. I'm sure it's pretty high. It might I wouldn't even be surprised if it was worse than that. Cuz they usually leverage at 10%. We usually do it on like 3 like meaning that you only retain like a 3% or 2% of the initial deposit.
3: No, that's different than leveraging the money though. Like- well,
1: what I mean though is yes, that's true. But the problem is, is that a lot of that money was also, uh, lent, lent out to, uh, a warrant or a warrant or some company name out there. That's a massive, uh, home builder for these condominium skyscrapers. So, what, the, what the, the loophole, the reason why the fraudulent charge thing came about was because they knew that the developers were basically kind of developing their own Ponzi scheme in a sense where they were doing pre-sales on condominiums. So you would put down your money and you would start making mortgage payments on a house that's not built yet
0: how fucking so retarded do and you so they been?
1: were using that to like pay back their loans but then they couldn't like build all the condominiums and they needed to get more people buying houses how and doing you pre-sales possibly
0: build a pyramid scheme off of this <laughs> right <laughs> literally building pyramids.
1: so so now <laughs> the problem is is that not only are the houses not going to get built but all these people have been paying all this money to them which now is kind of just gone into the ether it's not it's vaporized so, so one of the things, that- anyway, I was just talking about the the com- when you're talking about how the cl- the closeness between the governments and the and like the money, the cor- yeah. I'm talking about banks, but you know, the kind kind of kind of similar. You know, banks are for com- are commercial for-profit companies. They're huge corporations, and there's so much influence from that sector into the political you know uh, arms and vehicles through that's, al- that's and,
3: always been the case the problem is i think that we've gotten to a point where we're hitting a level of incompetence
1: oh a hundred percent and it's happening on a global scale is the thing though like it's not like it's unique well, to, I, don't, I
0: don't feel like the incompetence is unique to leadership
1: businesses. no not at all and, and, and so because i mean you know with you know an autocrat at the head at the helm basically making the decisions like this person has to be one hundred percent right, and if they're not, everyone's fucked and The problem is we don't necessarily have that much power within one person, but they're they are kind of like in a handful I would say probably a dozen people that really have serious influence and power that are all wrong and they're not. It's like they even know they're wrong, but I think that they've been in it so long that it just seems right. It seems normal to them.
3: Well, as Alex Jones put it, it is this is a if you if you believe this, this is an engineered collapse.
1: I don't think you have to be a believer in Alex Jones to believe that theory. Mm -hmm. I think that's getting becoming more and more accepted. Is like "Mm, yeah, that's probably. I can see this like you can kind of see that it's like engineered design because when you say something was engineered or designed or planned, then you're kind of drawing a parallel to conspiracy because mm-hmm. of all these people agreed to do this, knowing that it'd be a bad outcome and it, are it choosing. just seems like
3: all the solutions that are being passed by the governing bodies, it, it looks like they're intentionally making the problem worse. You know, it's it's not just bad policy. It's like the opposite of the right thing to do. The, well, and typically inflation, <laughs> the, inflation <laughs> the, Act. the inflation reduction, the inflation reduction. Act, They're going to spend
0: you know, how many billions? Is it like four hundred billion or something like that? Uh, um, it was
3: seven hundred and fifty billion. Yeah, was it really? Holy shit! Dude. It was a lot, including a yeah. hundred and no, including eighty-five billion for the, the IRS. I think it was
0: 80, eighty. I thought it was just eighty, was what I. Assumed. Oh, maybe
1: it was eighty. It's eighty
0: but plus. Still. It's still, still. It's, 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 it's larger than any private corporation gets in profit for a single year. Sure. So that's automatically going to this agency that is clearly being used as a political tool.
3: As a weapon. Absolutely. It's being used as a weapon politically, and it's being used as a weapon against the so, middle and So if class. you
1: are a believer in this theory, that it's engineered and designed, then this makes sense. To make this play, to have expand the IRS, hire on 87, I think it was 87,000 agents they were gonna hire, or some crazy number like that. To do what? 400,000 audits, I thought was the additional right. bump. And, and those are uh, all gonna be small business. They're I not gonna be individuals. They're not gonna go after high net worth individuals who don't actually
3: pay taxes. I saw a, They're going uh, go after small business. Infographic today of like the highest concentrations of audits by county across the country. Yeah. Hyper focused on black and brown people. It's, like, the highest uh, uh, per capita audit rate in the country is in, like, bumfuck Mississippi. Wow. And then you look at the northeast, almost, like, the the counties are, like, all completely whited out. Like, they have no count Like, it wasn't enough.
0: Obviously, that makes sense. There would never be any fraud in states like, say, Delaware.
3: Right. 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 Obviously. We're all in fact, I don't even think Delaware had any rating at all. For audits, obviously there were some around New York City, yeah. yeah but that makes sense. Nothing north of New York City, <laughs> not even Long Island. Like it was crazy, huh? And but it was all along the south, and hyper focused in Mississippi and Alabama and Louisiana. So it's racist as fuck. Yeah, just like sure. this is the systemic racism that really does exist. Yeah. But nobody wants to talk about it. No, don't talk about it. No, because handcuffing a black dude for murdering somebody, that's racist. But auditing them uh, into poverty, that's not racist. No, not at all. <laughs> right, right. Wow,
1: I didn't, I didn't know about this uh, heat map that you're talking about. I haven't seen that, but that's this, it
3: doesn't surprise Are me. Are you doing show notes? Yeah. I'll try to find it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and for those that are listening, if uh, wherever you're listening to this, we have a website, libertyaf.io, where you can go to the episode number. And any notes, links, and all that fun stuff will be right there. We also have links to our Mastodon server from the homepage at libertyaf.io. It'll take you to social.libertyaf.io. So we are federated, meaning if you sign up on our Mastodon server, you can talk to people on other federated Mastodon servers. Um, I know we have... Uh, uh, other servers that were on as well. So it's kind of cool because you can kind of follow each other around. Um, and I'm redoing the search engine. So I also created a search, but I'm actually be upgrading it to the newer one that works a lot better. Um, and these are just kind of some cool, fun things to use that kind of help, sh- you know, sh- you know, sh- shield your privacy, focus on your privacy a little bit, uh, by running searches through Google and Bing and, and, uh, DuckDuckGo and whatnot through a proxy. So, um, you're not individually, uh, tracked, uh, if that makes any sense, so, but uh, yeah, so the, sorry, just wanted to kind of do some.
3: That's okay. It was that a station there. break, A little uh, station
1: break. Station identifier WNBC.
3: Um, <laughs> Did you give the time with that? Uh, it is ten o three. August 8th. um So one of the things that underlies, was supposed to underlie all Western culture, is, is the idea that no one's above the law, and that we all are submitted to the same laws, and we are accountable to them. And we have seen since Trump became president uh, a blatant flipping that on its head. Hmm. So we're seeing at the highest levels publicly, this is not behind the scenes stuff. This is publicly. We're seeing people blatantly violate the law in front of everyone and not get prosecuted. And we've seen somebody who nobody liked get nailed to the wall for not doing anything. Trump was impeached twice with no uh evidence that he actually did anything wrong, and I'm not trying to stand up to or for him. I'm trying to point out the absurdity of Hillary Clinton deleting 30,000 emails that she in blatant violation of the law did that. And now we have a president who is not even president anymore and they're still trying to put him in jail when he very cleverly, as uh, John C. Dvorak pointed out on the No Agenda show, wrote a cover your ass memo to call in the National Guard to prevent the insurrection from happening. Uh, He wrote a pretty, I would say, airtight alibi for himself in that situation and they're still talking about like he's going to go to prison for the rest of his life. And yeah, he didn't even enter the Capitol.
0: I don't understand the fascination. I, I felt like from the day he entered the Republican primaries, from when he was first elected, like the media created him. They gave 100% of the airtime. Because originally he was polling like 2%. It's
3: because he's a clown. And clowns are entertaining. Yeah, Well,
0: he's, what's, what's the wrestling term?
3: The heel. Yeah, he's the heel. Yeah. And he's really, really good at it. And they got suckered into the trap of giving him that attention because they're such money whores that they're like, well, these ratings are through the roof. Let's keep talking about him because he's silly. He's a silly person. And then you saw that shift happen when they started to realize like, he might actually be a competitor, and then all of a sudden it was, yeah, for this sure. guy's a threat to democracy, he's a racist, he, he's a pussy grabber, and yeah. all this stuff. I, I'm so sick of
0: hearing about the threat to, to democracy. Democracy is when
3: 51%
0: can, <laughs> can vote away the rights of the 49%. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, that's what the kids believe is the right way now. That oh. is what they're taught. But we were
0: founded as a constitutional republic. They're, they're
3: not taught that. They're not taught that at all.
0: No, they're 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 taught they're taught about sexual identity. You know, if you had told me in second grade about sexual identity, I'd have just been like what? Like I had a vague notion that like, you know, yeah, it took a man and a woman to make a baby. But that was kind of about the extent of it. And I if you had tried to talk to me about it, I wouldn't have had any interest. Maybe that's just like an autistic kid thing, I don't know, but
1: <laughs> No, I mean that's kinda how I was at that age. You know, if you would have brought a drag queen in I wouldn't have known what the hell to think about that. Is this and I, a man or a woman? Like I would have just left confused. I think. Yeah, I mean that's well, and that's. Did you see that clip I sent you the other day about it? Was like uh, the the school board member saying, "You know, we're woke, mm-hmm. we're going to get him from the inside. We're in a position of we're in uh, a position of power, of power to basically and you know spread this wokeness from the inside to so these great schoolers. People,
3: people look at this as like a. A problem of of uh well, they're getting the wrong message and you know, the anti woke are like
1: And this was in Florida.
3: Yeah. They're not treating I don't think people are treating this problem for what it really is, which is this is a religion.
1: Well, actually I was so I was having a conversation about this yesterday and it's I look at it as more of a cult more than a religion. Well a cult because is just a young religion. Well the reason why it's the reason why is because it's not enough. To be um accept like accept it, it's like you have to be an ally. You actually have to strap on armor and now fight. It's you not have
3: to, you have to strap on a strap on. You have to strap on a strap
0: on. Well, and, but there's also this demand for submission, right? Like sure. you have to you have to be subservient. You, you have get to- you
3: get traumatized and then you get brought back in if you play the game, which is that's how cults work. You initially get rejected and told what a piece of shit you are. And then you are brought back in under a set of rules. And if you step outside of those rules, you're re traumatized as you are here because the outside outside world rejects you. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, so religion holds people to a standard. And the idea, you know, the, the pure idea of religion is that you have an ideal and that the ideal is upheld at all costs. And that your job as a follower of the religion is to try to attain that ideal and recognizing that as an ideal, by definition, you cannot attain it, but you strive for that for the redemption of your soul and the redemption of your life. That's the pure version of religion. A cult is trauma plus mind control plus punishment, and that's the way this operates. If you step outside the lines, you're canceled, well, you are ridiculed. You are ashamed. It's
1: education and rule by fear, Fe- making mm-hmm. you fearful of offending somebody.
3: And and, and it's not- done so with as a lie. It's done so as a lie. So, yeah. like the 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 phrase, the slogan, "Love is love." What does that even mean? Well, isn't the implication that it's okay to just love whoever you want to love? But that's not really the way it works. Well, that's not what they're.
0: That's not what they're demanding at this point. Like. I personally don't care what you identify as or who you fall in love with. I just want to go back to the day when your sexual preferences weren't the first thing you talked about
1: when you met somebody. Right. Or and it's it's done because it's this push to identify by pronouns which mm-hmm. don't even grammatically have any sense at all to call somebody plural. I I just you know or we being fluid so they're gonna n- wear a name tag of what they identify as that day so it's like hey it's make-believe and today i'm a princess and tomorrow i'm peter pan you know what i mean and so like today you're gonna be i'll be a girl tomorrow i'll be this and maybe the one day i'll be non i just want to identify as anything yeah and it doesn't matter how i dress because that's just how i feel you just have to refer to me based upon what tag i'm wearing that day that, and it's like, there's a key
3: phrase in there you have right to. you have to this is control You are attempting to control me by controlling the way that I speak. If you can control the way someone speaks, you will control the way they think. And you have power over them if you control the way they think. So this is a power game, which is, again, part of the definition of a cult. And there's a very strong power dynamic going on. Mm -hmm. And so... But fundamentally, it's acting like a religion, even though these people call themselves atheists. Pretty much all of them will call themselves atheists. They are practicing a religion, a religion with with very few defined ideals. The only real ideal in this religion is who is the biggest victim. Mm -hmm. And that is a way of reducing everybody to their uh, weaknesses, and reducing everybody to whatever their flaws are even though we wouldn't call them a flaw because no you're you're who you are and you should celebrate that it's it is a flaw if you're being victimized then that's that's a flaw that you have that's being exploited and they wouldn't look at it that way but as far as like interpersonal interactions go that right. is a flaw i'm not going to pick on you cuz you're awesome I'm not going to be like, this guy has it all together. He's rich, he's powerful, he's famous, he's good looking, he's great in the sack, I'm going to pick on him. You're going to pick apart whatever you think is a flaw. That's what you're going to use to try to bring him down. So this victimhood is just like displaying your flaws in Mm -hmm. front of the whole world and celebrating them. And I feel like we're doing that with mental illness at this point. We're celebrating mental illness instead of treating it or preventing it. It's just, no, it's okay that you're, uh you have antisocial personality disorder or it's okay that you're so depressed you can't get out of bed you do you you take care of you honey it's like putting all of your flaws at the front of you who you are and well, celebrating them
1: and rather trying to root down to the you know real questions or concerns or issues that that kid or adolescent is going through it's like make them feel like no no this is normal and and we'll we'll prescribe you some stuff you know, to get you through it, whether it's an antidepressant or it's an upper like Adderall or whatever the case may be. And then it's like now we're invoking mind control along with substance abuse because that's, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any scientific data, but it's just from like my experience. And then, you you know, you tie in the hyperconnectivity. As a kid, I'm not saying there wasn't problems in the world, but they didn't seem like as rampant and as like spread out all over the place. And I'm not talking about like a school shooting. I'm talking about kids' uh, suicide rates. Um, a lot of it, you know, with the, um, uh, you know, the reclusiveness and and shut down. They don't have a lot of friends. They don't really out, go out and, and socialize and interact in what, person. What, it's,
0: what drove all those changes? Is it just, is it the I, I smartphone think, and social media?
1: Just I mean, I think that those are enablers. But I, I think that the root cause was that the generation, the Gen Xers, kind of just fucked up at parenting because we grew up. Remember, I mean, it was like this. But if you were if you were growing up through the eighties and nineties and into the early two thousands, where you were in your teens and into your twenties, there was there was a shift in the nineties. This like revolt, you know, against not just parents but authority. And then I, so I think that a lot of the uh, Gen Xers, you know, I'm talking about myself in this lumped in this pile, grew up and were like, I'm going to do it differently. And it's like overcorrected
3: by spoiling. It was a, yeah, it was like a rejection of the culture of parenting. Right. Right. Because yeah. like we, we're not real good in this country at identifying real culture because we're, we're such a, a, a melting pot. Because those Gen X didn't have
1: the internet and social media had Jerry Springer and you know all the extreme Nirvana, Nirvana. you had you know hip hop yeah it was a counterculture anti-establishment anti-government
3: so vibe maybe you could say that for like, rock and roll and hip hop and rap the mass mass counterculture right which is is kind of funny. It's like the way that Rage Against the Machine became an extension of the mach- it, machine. Yeah. It's like it, a mass... Rage sure. for the machine. Rage yeah. for and the, the difference is,
1: is that like it's not unique to our generation. If you grew up and you were the same age in the 60s, there was the same rebellion against the decisions that were being made by the power structure during the Vietnam War. But, I think, but the difference was, was that it was all preached in like... Love and free, being free and
3: kind and giving. Well, and that's, generous. that's the message now, even though it's really the opposite well, of that. But it, I think maybe, it is,
1: but it's kind of the same. It's like a similar, it has similar characteristics. Maybe, maybe the
3: difference between the 60s and now, <laughs> Joel's over, Joel's there over here choking on, the ball. choking on the ball. Maybe the difference between <laughs> then and now is the strength of the culture, the strength of the parenting culture at that time was enough to keep it under control but gradually through the generations the parenting culture itself fell apart and the strength of the well, mass counterculture overtook it
1: and and let's be honest like if you were a kid in the 90s and you thought you might be gay you didn't really want to talk about it for you know it just wasn't widely accepted and now it's like this overcorrection of like oh my gosh that was like not really that's a
0: symptom well yeah I know I know of people who are like it seems like they're rooting for their child to be
3: anything other than straight what What? what anything other than normie yep right so this is like again this is like the massive overtaking the the counterculture has become the mainstream and so now the normie culture is all of a sudden the counterculture so you've seen the meme of like punk rockers in the 80s was like uh middle finger fuck you fuck the government and now punk rock or counterculture today is like a family of like two parents and three kids and you know and everybody's like normal and straight and all that that's like the counterculture now right um and so i think i think that that counterculture that that element always is going to exist there's always going to be rebellion against the culture but all of a sudden through the 2000s and especially in the last 10 years we've seen the sh- the shift of the counterculture actually becoming the mainstream and the counterculture is wide ranging like it, it covers everything from the artsy types who you know can't hold a job to uh I'd like, like to see myself there <laughs> <laughs> so now it's like it's like you want to be counterculture, but like, what does that even mean? You know, like, how do you how do you actually be counterculture now? Homestead, homestead, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: homestead. Like, I don't watch CNN. Eating, <gasps> <gasps> I don't watch Fox News. Eating, <gasps> eating raw food instead of bugs, and you know, like, I don't know, reloading your own ammunition. <laughs> oh wait, that's terrorist. <laughs> You're a domestic well, terrorist if you do that.
3: Anything that goes counter to this cancel culture or to the uh, to the counterculture is now seen as a threat to the counterculture just like back in the 80s the counterculture was seen as a threat to the mainstream that's why you had Tipper Gore on TV talking about NWA because they were a threat and now it's flipped and you go on TV and you go on Tucker Carlson and you talk about the nuclear family you are now the threat
1: yeah yeah, well, I mean, look what's happening to Mike
3: Glover right now. Yeah, yeah. You know? I called that shit from the moment I saw it. So Mike Glover is a former Green Beret who um, has started a YouTube channel, pretty successful one. It's pretty good. Uh, he does good content. He knows what he's talking about. it has got lots of experience backing it up. And in 2020, when everything went to shit in in June of 2020, uh, he noticed a, a big gaping hole. And that was the um, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, cooperation between right. people to resist the violence of um, whatever's going on.
1: Yeah, riots or anything, really. I mean.
3: So he started this movement called the American Contingency Movement. And the idea was to hook up like minded people so that if anything happened in your area, you could provide aid to each other. And that might be food, water, transportation, communication, security. Anything to help stabilize an unstable area. And I remember watching him with his video. He did one of his tabletop videos. Yeah. And he's like, We're starting this thing. Just called-
1: just for context, he has a big another company and a YouTube channel called Fieldcraft Survival, where he's right. really big into like teaching people how to like survive in the new wilderness and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, he's a survival minded yeah.
3: person. Right. So I remember watching the video where he announces the American Contingency Project and I was like, You dumb motherfucker. Yep. Like you are going on a list I even it was so obvious to me I even wondered if he might be uh, an FBI plant just like Stuart Rhodes from the three percenter group right you know yeah. yeah and I was like how can he be this dumb and then last week I think it was right. somebody leaked out the FBI documents that identified the Amer- it was uh, project Veritas project Veritas yeah. leaked a document <laughs> identifying American contingency project project as uh, a domestic terrorist extremist group right and he puts out a video like how could they do this to me I'm like dude how could you not see this coming
1: I, I was thinking the same thing when I it because I watched it and I was like yes this sucks yes this is wrong yes I agree with you but why are you surprised
3: yeah so, for somebody who is.
1: And met, it wasn't that he was just identified by the Poverty Laws or the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center. It was the FBI. It was the FBI. It was the FBI watch list. And, the, and one or, of the uh, points he made, which is an excellent point,
3: is that once you are identified, that allocates funding for monitoring and disrupting you. Right. That's why this is such a big deal, because the FBI now gets a budget to go after him. Right. And right. Uh, there were other groups mentioned on there, some some usual suspects, but there was also like. Libertarians and anarcho-capitalists are wisdom.
0: That's absurd. Like <laughs> they're, they're they're not non-aggression a group. <laughs> po- like isn't that the non-aggression? Principle yeah, they're groups? they're not even
3: a cohesive group. Like yeah. you can't even get two libertarians to agree on anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Because I think a lot of I think libertarians are actually a, like a combination blend between um, either leaning conservative Republican mixed with. Anarchist, or, or, or more like liberal mixed with anarchists. Like there's like so a there's like a there's a common thread, which is I just really kind of want to be left the hell alone.
0: So you're saying the drug of libertarianism leads to anarchism, because in my case, case, I think it was true.
3: It's a gateway drug. It Actually, might be. Drug. I was talking to a fellow or to a friend of mine who's an anarchist the uh, the other day, uh, not Edgar right another, another anarchist friend and i it, it occurred to me i said uh you know in when in times of peace and stability you could call me a statist uh, a statist light somebody who statist agrees light. that the structure is necessary but in times of mass corruption and and evil i i'm now i'm self-identifying as an anarchist i don't i don't i'm beyond caring about the structure at this point um we are, we are blasted headlong into tyranny. And uh, if we don't figure out how to pump the brakes, we are going into a worldwide authoritarianism. And it's going to become extremely hard to resist it. And I don't say that lightly. Extremely hard to resist it means either you submit or you starve to death. Or you submit and starve to death, which is what they're always wanting, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> that
1: would make sense. That's...
0: It's the story usually how it works out. Yeah. Practically.
3: It's a a convenient tool, hunger. It works really well. Yeah, well, I mean, then you just...
0: They're sure predicting a lot of starvation, and it seems like between... (laughs)
3: Oh, bro, that's all capitalism's fault. (laughs) 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 Well, so
0: pure capitalism, you don't fuck with the markets, right? You don't create price floors or ceilings or anything like that and you let the market sort it out because it's in the end the least cruel way to inflict misery. There's always going to be misery and suffering, but capitalism doesn't require a human being to specifically target out a a group of people. That's where that's where, you know, communism comes in and says, "Oh, you're either with us or you're against us," you know, like I think that's kind of
3: That sound you sound like George Bush when
0: you say that. Do I <laughs> you're either with us or you're with the terrorists well yeah and that 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 used to I almost fell for that split second I was like well damn that's powerful I, And then I'm I not went, a terrorist and then I went wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> weren't we gonna audit the Pentagon right before September 11th <laughs> whatever happened to that
3: audit wasn't there like significant sums of money missing like, according trades? to Donald's, according to Donald Rumsfeld yes there was a significant amount of money missing from the Pentagon did on September have, 10th did we ever talk about that again uh, no September 10th 20, 2001 was the last time we talked about it <laughs> <laughs> it just the media dropped that
1: yeah yeah well you know what they're running right now in the last five to ten minutes to an hour mm-hmm. Time magazine Washington uh, the Wall Street Journal. The FBI has raided Donald Trump's home. Oh shit! FBI searched former President Donald Trump's uh, the Mar-a-Lago estate down in Florida as part of a, an investigation this into is whether
3: element of fascism
1: into whether or not he took classified records from the White House to his Florida residence. People familiar with the matter said Monday. So you
3: can have a server in your house, but you can't take documents. <laughs> mm. and, well, and
1: you the, could. The other thing too is, is like. Did he actually take him? And or, or and did someone just drop a USB key yeah. in his office drawer and be like, "See, I
3: found him." You know, like the, the, yeah. The yeah, FBI how, has uh, dropped documents like the cops have dropped guns.
1: Well, unless you've already been in his home, or unless someone said something which you'd have a grand ju- a grand jury
3: for. Why would? All right, so let's hear some predictions <laughs> two years from right now. <laughs> oh, God. Donald two Trump y- in jail or not in jail? <laughs> two years mm, from right now. Nah, no way. I think it's possible. I think it's very possible. I think they'll try to send him
0: to jail. I think he's connected and funded well enough that he avoids arrest and incarceration.
3: That's a bold prediction.
1: Make it interesting. I like it. All I right. like it a lot. I, I'm, I'm going to go a step further. <laughs> oh, shit.
3: I'm, I'm just going to say
1: arrest I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say if that, if that happens, <laughs> DeSantis uh, pardons him.
3: Dude, epic. uh, (laughs) I like like that a lot. You are really putting yourself out there. That is the ultimate hard flex, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like that would be
1: Dude, I think think pop I think Civil War might pop off over that one. Dude,
3: DeSantis is like the squeaky clean version of Donald Trump. Right. Like the dude doesn't give a fuck, and I'm pretty sure. That dude has never cheated on his wife, right? He's if, never fucked a porn star. If, <laughs> Me either. <laughs> <laughs> I have that in common with De- saying. because
1: it's like if you did and you were being, you know, a question well, was like, did you fuck the porn star? You think by yes. now it would have come up? Yeah, for yeah, I would expect that. Oh, by now, for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, just he's had a target on his back since COVID started. Sure, um, and and he's going full balls to the wall right now in Florida. He's suspended and fired his uh, state attorney general. Yeah, who then tried to claim that, you know,
0: he was beyond uh, the authority of the governor and that he was still identified that he was in that position. Identify like, as still <laughs> the attorney general. Yeah, he's like, he like, the governor doesn't have the authority to do it. And then, like, DeSantis's team just released a highlighted section of the state constitution that says specifically the government, or the governor may dismiss. And so... Now the guy's online and he's pretending to still be basically law enforcement. See, this right? is what
3: I talk when I'm talking about with the incompetence. Right. Like a competent attorney general would would take a different tactic. Yeah, would maybe sue to keep his seat, or yeah. would maybe uh, try to find a way to put it to a vote or something. Mm-hmm. But this guy's just like, no, the constitution of the state doesn't exist, and I am still the attorney general, and I'm going to go online where you you are going to get. Fucking roasted online, and he is dumb enough to go online and try to act like he's still the attorney general. Yeah,
0: he's impersonating a government official. That's a felony. <laughs> right, should be that? arrested. He
3: should. It's a trap that he's like walking into. But they're not going to arrest him, I don't think. Do you think they should? They should to make the point. I I would say. But the thing is, you have to watch out for this because it very this this is one of the things I've been saying about Trump for a little while. Trump created a serious problem for the right. right. And that problem is is that when things swung left because of the way Trump was, it creates the space for things to swing back right really really hard. Yep. And that is not something we want to see in this country because the it is boiling under the surface right now. Like there is legit raging racism going on right now as a a reaction to what the left has done in the last two years and in the last six years as they went after Trump. It's like this weird, bizarro world where you try to stop the problem and you just make it ten times worse.
0: Can I be a little, like, glib or flippant for a second? No. Is there actually... I don't encounter any racism personally, but again... I don't get out much. Yeah, The last so, time I encountered it, I was in Atlanta. And I was walking along the Beltline, and I had a dude say to me, you don't belong here. Get the hell out of here. And I was like, whoa, I lived here like 25 years, man. So That's I
3: amazing. think if you spend enough time on 4chan, <laughs> and if you spend enough time in places that are way less visible than 4chan, you see this kind of thing happening. And then also mm-hmm. look to Europe. Look at the racism that is boiling in Europe against the immigration that has happened in the last 10 to 20 years. And this immigration is now here in the U S with the, the migrants coming from Mexico. This is not like, Hey, we just want everybody to be happy here. This is an engineered invasion of our country to bring in, people who don't know anything about our system of government, don't have any connection to our culture, don't even speak the language, and they're coming in at the bottom. It's to subvert the, the, the system coming, so that it collapses and you just walk in and assume. They will have no reason to resist what's coming. Hmm. They'll have no reason to resist it. They will comply with it because this is better than where they came from. Hmm. And they don't have the his. They don't have the education. Well, we don't either at this point. Uh, but they don't have the the history of of our system of government, how it works, what to expect.
0: No, but does this just then put us back into a two tier society potentially? Like perhaps you know we we have like that underclass now becomes the bug eater class.
3: Yeah. But yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, but and they're those, definitely going to try to squeeze the middle class and, and They're narrow, squeezing the middle. Really they started with COVID. In. Yeah,
3: They started squeezing the middle class with COVID. And it's just going to get worse. This Inflation Reduction Act is a continuation of that, squeezing the middle class. Inflation
0: and, is created when the government spends money. So their response well, to not, fix the problem is to spend more Well, money. not just
3: that, but taxes create inflation. Yeah. You think Apple's just going to be like, oh, thanks for the 15% Cor- minimum corporate tax. Gonna we're just going to eat industry. that, yep. and we're going to keep iPhones at the same price that there are now, and we're going to keep Macs at the same. Like, no, no, that's taxes create inflation, and they drive up the price of goods and services, and so we're seeing a continuation of the same policies. Either they're doing it on purpose, or they're so rankly incompetent that they just can't help but step in every pile of shit in front of them. Hmm. Which I have a hard time believing that that's true.
1: It's harder to believe that because even though you know there are a lot of village idiots within those circles, it, it takes too much planning and organization to have things happen. Ooh, I'll have some of that.
3: I already poured you a glass. Oh, thank
1: you, man. What are we drinking, by the way? For <laughs> four roses. Uh...
3: We are drinking four roses, small batch select. Ooh, yeah. You a, what you mind? yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't. read
1: that. <laughs> yeah, Joel's got the cat stuck on his lap. So he has got pussy on his lap, man. <laughs> Very popular with the felines. <laughs> Love the sound of the cork in the microphone. It makes it very organic. Um, so I, I, I can't. Be- I just don't believe that that many
3: people. I mean, I believe government employees in general are incompetent. Sure, but I think but it does but I think work. that's
1: more at the mid and lower level. <laughs>
3: it does take work to write these laws, sure. and to pass them, and and really most of these laws are written by lobbyists. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I,
0: I ne- I've never gotten the impression that any of our legislators have actually even read. The laws that they're passing.
3: No, did you? We have to pass it to did see. Did you what's watch? In it. Did you watch that exchange between um, Massey and I can't remember the Democratic representative mm-hmm. over the discussion about what a bump stock is? No, no, the answer will always be no. I never I watch <laughs> anything. I don't <laughs> who, consume who was any it? media. Uh, if you if you look for Massey bump stock, uh, you'll probably find it where um, Massey's going. Massey's a, a state, or he's a. Representative from, uh, I believe, from Kentucky, and he's going back and forth in a um, in a judiciary committee talking about this assault weapons ban, and he's trying to get the definition of a of bump stock. Um,
1: oh yeah, Thomas Massey. Yeah, that was two weeks ago. I remember, uh, I remember watching this initially. Um, I was trying to see if I could uh, <laughs> pipe it in. Joel hits the bong over here. Sorry, I oh, know. I think it's funny, dude. Um, oh, sorry, my YouTube was muted. Um, here, let me just back it up a little bit for context. I take recognition. I move to strike the last word. Gentlemen's recognized. Uh, Mister Chairman, uh, I rise in opposition to the amendment. What this? Hold on. This is the stabilizing uh, brace, which is depicted here. When a when. Attached here, it turns this weapon into an automatic weapon. This bumps it becomes a bump stock. And so he's talking about how a stabilizing brace, like an arm brace that you'd put on an AR-15 pistol, becomes full auto. It yeah. becomes a bump stop or a bump a bump stock. Sorry, uh, I keep drinking here. And he's got a picture of a diagram of a stabilizing brace where the brace is actually you know properly mounted. You know, it's velcroed around the arm. And it says stabilizing brace, but he's calling it, you know So it will allow that to
2: essentially be fired like an automatic weapon.
1: Essentially be fired like an automatic weapon.
3: So it doesn't take it doesn't take more than a ten minute discussion with an expert to explain the difference between a stabilizing brace and a bump stock. And ten minutes is is, is on the I don't, long side. I don't even
1: think it. I don't even think there's that big of a heart of a um, differentiator between an arm stabilizing brace and a stock, which you put into your
3: shoulder.
0: I don't. Let I alone. Don't think it, I don't think it matters. It's just about the appearance of doing something.
3: Well, that's and what. That's, that's what I'm that saying. Like, if you were gonna, if you're gonna sponsor, or right, right. If you're sure. gonna sponsor legislation, and you can't even be bothered to. Learn the simple differences between the pieces of hardware and how they function by consulting with an expert. Sure. It just demonstrates that you really have no idea.
1: It would be trying to like legislate force induction motors versus naturally aspirated motors and manuals versus you know automatics without it, understanding how a it's car like, works it, at and all. And
3: it's like confusing a manual with a force induction.
1: You know, it's like, well, if it's if it's got the V8 then it's safe, but if it's got the V six with a supercharger, then it's then it's not safe. Or you know what I mean? I'd be like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like what you're saying doesn't even like you're you're speaking on a topic that you have No know. authority
0: to speak on. Like this act is going to stop inflation in its tracks. <laughs> right. So th- there's a there's a failure of the media to investigate and and qualify those statements. You know, they just accept them for what they are, even if it's obviously something that that cause will not have the effect. They're saying like every human being alive knows that it will have the
3: opposite effect. So this is this is where the question of like whether this is incompetence or on purpose actually like gets legs because... If they're not writing no, I agree. this legislation, no, I, I agree. And, you know, even the talking points that they might give on the floor are not their words. They just know how to read with inflection. Uh, maybe it is just, maybe it's not incompetent so much as just like their eyes are completely closed on right. purpose. Right. So that they can benefit in some way yeah. from the outcome. And I think this is this is a this is a common problem across all of humanity. This is not just you well, it's to politicians more, it's
1: more about the win than it is about what the meat is in the win. it you know what I'm saying like you have to be able to you know we got midterms coming up this year you have to be in the side in the camp that did everything it could to ban air quote you know an accessory device for it to be easily to make an air fifteen a automatic weapon, which is horseshit. Mm-hmm. but it's it's not about like what it actually is it's just about a win and granted pro two way people are going to be like no they're just chipping away and they're absolutely right but for them i mean they, maybe they feel that way but i think for them it's more about passing something anything and the more scary it can sound the better off it will be and then it's like they can you know tout that through oh, their election to the election and you cycle just
0: keep pumping the population full of fear like and misinformation
1: this is misinformation
0: yeah well they They're creating an intentionally terrified population. Like there is terrorism being committed and it's the government against the population.
3: Whatever their government is pointing their finger at at the moment is probably what they are the most guilty of at the moment. Right. And and this idea of going after domestic terrorism while they are terrorizing their own people. The domestic. Which (laughs) they did in March of 2003 they terrorized the American people into a war against terrorism. Yeah. And and people were legit freaked out that Saddam Hussein was going to launch intercontinental ballistic missiles full of sarin gas at the United States mm. and that he had all the terrorists hiding in his basement. Wasn't there like yellow cake plutonium mm-hmm. There was talk of that. And so, and, and a, a guy who barely had the resources to keep his own people under control was somehow going to mount a nuclear attack against the United States. And see,
1: this is why I say I lean more towards the plan and engineering versus incompetency, because at the same time, the U.S. is highly competent at doing information gathering, data analysis. But it seems uh, like col- collaborating with Israel to do the centrifuge. Uh, destruction through a very oh, yeah, that, difficult that process with Stuxnet virus yeah. getting into Iran in a closed air gapped environment I mean that can, <laughs> I, I don't you can't be dumb and pull that off but is
3: it the government doing that? Or is it the government hiring the people who can do that? It's it's government. It's 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 contracting corporations.
1: Sure, sure. They're hiring Booz Allen Hamilton and Accenture, and yeah, they're hiring. So competent people are doing the implementation. That's what was my reference before when we talked about Bush with Cheney. Was that there's always people who are competent that are doing the thing, but you got a bunch of village idiots out there who don't understand it. They're just they're lifers, man. These are career politicians. These are people who've made their entire life, their legacy, their millions and millions and millions of dollars off their, you know, what, $300, $275,000 a year salaries uh, it, somehow. you know, And it's like obviously there's, there's, there's corruption. You can't – the very people who get to go to war or decide whether or not they, you go to war are also holding shares on Raytheon, well, like I'm, McCain. I'm just curious –
0: how they even get away with the insider trading like it's in our face
3: you know pelosi has hundreds of millions of dollars yeah, it doesn't autopublic- surprise me that they get away with it it doesn't surprise me that they do it but what surprises me is that the people who supposedly care about the poor and about going after corrupt but, but meanwhile, well, meanwhile own well, 8,000 so, square foot which, mansions. Well, in what's, what's San well, not even them? It's the useful idiot college student, the sure. college student who has nothing. Well, George W.
1: Bush was a useful idiot. The well. college
3: student has nothing, has no assets, has no future, has no aspirations yeah. besides changing their gender, and yet they somehow fall for the the idea that there's nothing wrong with their side of the aisle insider trading. Like that's what baffles me. Well, I don't. It's I don't the same right. reason why. You but
0: look. I even from just like okay, there's always kind of been this notion that the lawyers will save us, kind of thing, because there's a buck to be made in these gross violations of things, and there's an original provision of the constitution. No, no, not an original. I think the Fourteenth Amendment includes the Equal Protection Clause. Somebody looked at, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know where it is, but basically the Equal Protection Clause says that the law applies to everybody equally. And so if it is illegal for a private citizen to use insider information to benefit on a public market, then it seems like it should be
3: equally illegal for a representative to do the same thing. So I think the idea here is, is where the information comes from. So one of the ways, and I've learned a lot about this in the last few years, one of the ways the laws work in Joe, <laughs> 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 he just crashed his glass into his mic and whiskey hit the microphone. Um, one of the ways that the law works is by not excluding something. So thereby including it. So insider trading is defined as maybe inside business information and that you might have as a as a member of the business or an integral part of the business that if you make decisions on that lead to a profit ahead of the time that everybody else knows about it, then that's insider trading. But when you're a politician and you write the laws, you might not know anything about the actual business dealings going on, but you know how the law is going to change and affect uh, the value of that business. And so by exclusion, it's not prohibited. So... Is it fair for the average person to think that that's
0: ethical? No,
3: no, no, no. It's not ethical at all. But... But we permit it. But we permit it. And this is what baffles me, is that the people who are supposed to care about inequality don't seem to care about this rampant corruption that is, by definition, inequality. Well, I we're not the, all privy to the same information. I think the people in misery
0: don't actually want to be out of misery, they don't want things to be better because then they lose
3: their right, to right, complain. get back to the to the who's the big, biggest victim, yeah, right. So as long as things perpetuate the way they are, they get to cry that they're the biggest victim, and and so they're just picking the side that pays the lip service to them or literally pays them, yes, with stimulus and and college tuition reimbursement. Yeah, but
0: once the petrodollar dollar is dot dead, and you know we have. I don't know, 50 trillion dollars in printed currency floating around or in see, you know, central bank digital currency or something like that. Then what's it really going to be worth? You know, you go, oh yeah, hey, the government's paid everybody $100,000 a year, but what's the what's the real
3: well, value? Well, if you don't know anything about economy? economics, how how effective are you going to be able to think about what's going on around you? Well, not really. You're going to be you have to submit to what you're being told cuz you don't have a foundation to to The crazy thing is I know a lot of
0: smart people who figure that stuff out on their own without like a formal econ class. If you
3: take enough ass beatings, uh, financially speaking, you will start to figure things out if you are paying attention to those ass beatings. If you're thinking as a victim, then it's just going to be a long series of ass beatings that you didn't deserve. And if it's not your fault, then there's nothing for you to do about it. But you get a reward. For your suffering,
0: being a victim, right, and so then you learn that relationship. So you're just on to finding the next thing that you're a victim for, right? It perpetuates so, itself. So
3: if you take, it, like, let's just take buying cars for an example, mm-hmm. right? How many cars have you bought? You think,
1: uh, probably around
3: fifteen or oh, so. How about you? Probably ten. Ten, I'm around twenty or so. Uh, Have you ever taken an ass beating?
1: I had in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I learned, and I learned the process through, you
3: know, experience. And and, ass beating could be like a bad interest rate, or it could be a bad car. It could, it could also
1: be falling for a bad extended warranty, or not. Just accepting all the dealer it's an, delivery fees. Basically, and, an
3: unequal exchange, yeah, right? Right, like, and right. and the, the severity of that unequal exchange, we might call that an, an ass beating, or uh, we might just call that like not a great deal. Yeah. But you've learned from that, and now, how confident would you say you are in entering that process and not taking an ass beating? Pretty reasonably confident, right? I mean, because you took responsibility for your ass beating. Absolutely. Right. Even if you go to a dealership and you get raped by the dealership, at some point you're going to be like, I should have known better. Like, yeah, they're assholes for stealing from me, but like I should have had my eyes more open and I won't let that happen again. Whereas if your mindset was just that all car dealerships are evil corporations who all they can the like the only possible outcome is that you get fucked. Then you will never learn. How to deal with a car dealership.
0: Yeah. You're just gonna manifest that reality for yourself. Right.
3: right. And then you're like, and at some point you're like, well, I just won't drive anymore.
1: Right. Like <laughs> that's that's just the way it is. Or yeah.
3: or or you it's somebody's gonna give you some money and you're like, it's okay if I get ass fucked because this money was free and even though it's an unequal system, uh, it wasn't my money in the first place. So I don't have an incentive to learn how to not get ass fucked at the dealership. Well,
1: and that's how you condition people to be okay with the evil own nothing and Mm -hmm. be happy you'll subscribe to a vehicle you'll pay a a subscription fee like a
3: owning things Mm -hmm. is a responsibility and victims do not want responsibility they want to shift that responsibility to somebody else
0: Mm -hmm. sorry i interrupted you oh it's all right that's long gone i (laughs) I was talking about yeah
1: no i mean bmw is doing it
3: yeah, you with know, Tesla's, Tesla's doing, doing it. Oh, oh yeah. The subscriptions. You heated, yeah. You want heated
0: seats, that's yeah. eighteen dollars a right. month for the entire time you yeah. quote unquote. Own How long until vehicle? your
3: until your gas mileage is part of that subscription service? <laughs> I mean, it already is with Tesla. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't call it gas mileage, we call it range. Right. But that range is part of your subscription service. You can upgrade your range. Oh. it's the same fucking car.
0: Well so all of it's just consumerism. And so this is the thing. Right, like I kind of tick left. Yeah, like I'm. Yeah, I'm. I've gone broke, mm-hmm. which is an interesting experience for somebody who always made pretty good money. Mm-hmm. But it's realigned my values, and I look at everything, and I'm just like, man, it's all just about acquiring more shit, consuming, mm-hmm. consuming, consuming. So all media content is advertising. You know, it's just, it's just there to drive sales.
3: Well, so is this, a, is this a natural consequence of prosperity?
0: I don't think so. I think this is a natural consequence of, like, people who said they were promoting marketing but were perhaps engaging in psychological warfare against the American people, like Edward Bernays and we're, shit. We're, and yeah, people you know, like that.
3: we're never going to be able to extricate psyops from marketing, because they were born of each other, mm-hmm. you know? And so, mark. well, maybe that's not true, because marketing existed before Bernays, but it was just not sophisticated no. at all. It was, like, hard, very hardly, uh, very hardcore, rudimentary marketing. Like, if you happen to be in the market for a plow, I also make plows. And these are my plows, in case you want a plow. Mm-hmm. And then with Bernays it was like you want a plow, <laughs> you need a plow and oil and debt and <laughs> Yeah, I think this I think this fits in perfectly.
1: You no know, man, it could be
2: worse.
3: A woman could cut off your penis while you're sleeping and toss it out the window of a moving car. There's always that. I don't know, it's just when you buy furniture, you
0: tell yourself, that's it, that's the last sofa I'm gonna need. Whatever else happens, got that sofa problem handled. I had it all. I had a stereo that was very decent. A wardrobe that was getting very respectable. Close to being
2: complete. Shit, man, now it's all gone. All gone. Yeah. All gone. Do you know what a duvet is?
3: Comfort. It's a blanket. Just a blanket. Now, why do guys like you and I know what a tefe is? Is this essential to our survival in the hunter gatherer sense of the word? No. What are we then? Consumers. Right. We are consumers. We are byproducts of a lifestyle obsession. Murder, crime,
1: poverty, these things don't concern me. What concerns me are celebrity magazines, television, with. 500 channels, some guy's name on my underwear,
3: Rogaine, Viagra, Olestra, Martha Stewart, fuck Martha Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, is like, when you get down into our lizard brain, we're really not that sophisticated, right? And, and, and what's primarily control of awe, most of our actions and our emotions is our lizard brain. Our frontal lobe is a luxury. And a lot of us do not really use our frontal lobe to its really maximum potential, but you can't help but using the lizard brain to its maximum potential. I mean,
1: it's like uh, core, you know, you're designed to live and survive. So the creativity aspect of things was a a luxury. So you you couldn't really uh, give into that because you had to go out and start hunting Next season's feed, you know, uh,
3: uh, food supply. Well, and all your creativity was channeled towards survival. Like, right? Let, let me make the bigger, better arrow, bigger,
1: hand. better into like an engineering kind of creativity space mm-hmm. of like making things that actually made created efficiencies in your life, right? But um, it was a luxury to be able to daydream or to draw or do anything artistic, like learn to play a musical instrument or something like that. It was kind of more reserved for either elites or um, the priest class the the, the well, savants. So you know? and,
0: and I'll and I'll say like kind of engaging in a domestic kind of like farm culture kind of role at this point. I weirdly find much more satisfaction in getting up and engaging on that and just having manual labor set in front of me with tasks that I see getting complete
3: than i do with you know you need to write a book about the last 10 years of your life man <laughs> seriously or or just
1: do a, a podcast about yeah it, you know like break it
3: out into like and we're we're not going to give away anything right now no. No. uh but it has been a major shift for somebody who like you said made a really good money for a long time and you know you lived in a major metro area and, and I got disenchanted with all of it. Mm-hmm. This was not you got, fulfilling. You got black pilled hardcore, and we got to pull you back from the brink of the black pill and move you m- more towards the yellow yellow pill, clear pill, clear, clear pill, clear pill. Yeah, yeah, clear pill. I like that better. Um, but these instincts that we have to read celebrity magazines—that's lizard brain type shit. That's, that was that was that is attention like that's our, what our that was attention. my point of the
1: playing the fight club clip mm-hmm. was like you're programmed to be more concerned about that when really you know it doesn't bring you any you well, you
3: have that instinct in you but it, it has been like you said reprogrammed and channeled towards something that really doesn't matter right right we have mm-hmm. in our lizard brain we have the Uh, power structure. Power structure is a part of the lizard brain. Sure, Whoever's the best at something is going to get our attention and respect because that is based on our, like our survival is based on that. Like whoever the best hunter is, whoever the best organizer is, whoever the best fighter is, these people will get our adoration and attention. But our attention's been hijacked. It has been
1: hijacked and it's got a real tight grip. Mm -hmm. Like, I am 100% guilty of falling into it and also being 100% aware. I mean, hell, I work in digital marketing for a Mm -hmm. living, right? That's what I do is convince people to make decisions that I put in front of them at the right time. And I am aware of that. And I'm even conscious of it when I fall into that trap myself. And it's like I have to work really hard to fight... You know the the urge to just get the latest greatest thing, mm-hmm. right? Like a perfect example would be, um, you know, the latest version of whatever MacBook Air M1. Oh, the M2's out now. I gotta get the M2, bro. It's got a. It's it, the it's, best. It's the best for now. And for now, right? Yeah. He, like right, like as the character saying in in the film, it's like, you know, I've got the best couch. I've got the best this. For the moment. But he
3: says also something very important. I was almost I was there. almost perfect. It was like you was will almost always, was almost always yeah. be almost there.
1: Right. And that is the carrot that's hung out in front of you on the stick. And that's, I think, exactly how everyone's conditioned. We don't have to. I mean, you know, obviously Joel's in a position where he actually chooses the lifestyle to get up and, and actually work land and the animals for return on investment that actually feeds you versus. No, I'm not getting any food this Well, <laughs> but this you know year. what I mean. But Calvary it takes, it it's a process, it's a process. Yeah. But, you know, versus the getting up and punching into the VPN and connecting to the corporate network and doing, pulling this lever, pulling that lever that just basically gets you to the next level of your perfection that you're, you're
3: gunning for right? whether it's the car or the house or, you know, so, whatever. so in my case, like I am literally punching in, right? Sure. Like, uh, I have my, corporate. and that's, what's
1: actually really cool about the dynamic between the three of us is that yeah. we are very different in our, you know, daily lives, but somehow a lot, you know, we don't agree well, on everything. Well, but, So
3: I punched in and out of a clock for a long time for, 12 years right and it was slowly killing me like legit making me feel suicidal like this is so meaningless and stupid and i hate this so much so i left i quit i dropped out and then i found out pretty quickly uh without a plan that's not a good strategy and when you have a family to take care of and so i ended up punching back in and i started hate myself again but i needed i needed the stability. Mm. And then I had an opportunity to go in a different direction and stop working for the government and start working for a private company. So I tried that out and I was like, well, this is better because private companies have a profit motive and that actually means your work means something. It actually right. gets something done. But pretty quickly, that started to lose its appeal as well until I started doing my side job on a semi-full-time now to a full-time status. And even though I'm working 70 hours a week, I feel fulfilled in half of what I do. Mm-hmm. I get fulfillment from it. Now, but the thing is, is it doesn't provide the stability mm-hmm. yeah. that I need because I'm responsible for other people. Right, And that need is an interpretation. When I say need, that is my interpretation of the situation. Other people in my position would be like, you don't really need that. Like, it may be even holding you back. Your corporate job might even be holding you back right now. And I accept that. I accept that that's, inter- that's one interpretation. Mm-hmm. But half of me is consumed by this bullshit hate. Like, I don't really like doing what I do. I happen to be okay at it, and I make good money doing it with low effort. So, it's good enough. Right. It's a really good insurance policy for your family. Right. And an insurance policy is like being a hunter-gatherer with a surplus of goats or a barn full or, of wheat or,
1: or a hunter ga- like that, kind of, you know, or even like the hunter gatherer, but you have unlimited ammunition with a full automatic or semi-automatic <laughs> rifle living in a prehistoric times. So you're
3: like, it's a sure thing. You it's, know? It's, well, it's, the it's thing a, is, it's not really a sure thing, well, but it's a pretty good you're, substitute you, for a sure. You're, thing. you're far
1: ahead. Of the person that's taking the risk that doesn't have that safety
3: net. Right. And I'm, I'm way far ahead of the person who has right. no skills, ambitions or prospects. Right. Yeah, and know. who's raising a family? I don't have that problem. Right. Well, the thing is, is like you have skills. Do, do I? You, yeah, you absolutely have skills. I don't feel you're like probably that. one of the more skilled people I know mm-hmm. across the board.
1: But the advantage you have is the wife and kids part.
3: <laughs> yeah, you don't have a wife and kids that you're responsible for. Ooh. But that everything in life you comes down to son a, of a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Everything in life Sometimes. comes down to a trade-off. Yeah. Nothing's free, right? Yeah. Nothing's free. And so right, right. I have progeny at a cost. Right. Joel has freedom at a cost. And so, you know, this is why the grass is always greener, because we can focus on the positives and and ignore the, well, the you costs. Know, you know me, Isaac. I was born such a butterfly. <laughs> 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 let, us, let us flap your wings. A butterfly <laughs> waiting to <laughs> smash into the <laughs> windshield of a car on the interstate. <laughs> uh, so... All this to get back to, like the the idea of the media and the government taking advantage of our lizard brain. The only people who are really above this are the people who have integrated that frontal lobe into their regular decision making processes. Which, by the way, we're, none of us are as as light as enlightened as we think we are. No. Like before this podcast started, we spent. 30 minutes muscling a $300 piece of plastic and metal into a car that I don't need to make it louder.
0: <laughs> like, there might be some negligible performance advantage. Yeah.
3: Louder and faster <laughs> in, a, in a, in an environment where louder and faster is a liability, not an asset. Sure. You know, like sure. I'm just making it easier for me to get a ticket. You know
0: but, but you know, you just hope that you get pulled over by a cop who's a car guy because yeah. if you get if you him talking about the car.
3: So what are you driving? Some American piece of shit? You should get a German card. <laughs> you know in Italy they let the cops drive Lamborghinis. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> well, there are some police departments
1: that have pursuit vehicles yeah. like that. that they yeah. got through civil asset forfeiture. Yeah, in America, yeah. none of them are German. And they are in South Carolina.
3: What? Yeah. What are they
0: driving? BMWs.
3: Are you serious?
0: Yeah, Because yeah, there's a, a manufacturing plant there. Yep. BMW
3: manufacturing. Oh, so facility. they're not
1: really German. Well,
3: uh, <laughs> I mean,
1: it's kind of like Toyota. Like Toyota Tacomas are built in Mexico, but they're Japanese. If I was
3: going to buy a BMW, I would want a German manufactured BMW. I don't need no union member building my German precision <laughs> automobile. Dude. Well, you know what? If I have to pay eighteen dollars a month for heated seats, fuck your yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. want that that's shit. A good point, man. I shit. want an Audi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, we're not above it, right? Like, right? For I sure. Think, I yeah. think for most people, the the most you can ask for is to be aware of it. At least if you're aware and of so, it.
0: So, and and that's well, be selective with it. You know? Like, yeah. And I pick on realistic shit like. Being an Audi fanboy is so stupid for somebody in my financial position because I'm never going to own one of those again. Uh, Stereo equipment. And I think that's really all that I'm willing to spend money on at this point.
3: Well, it's priorities, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like just your specific situation, driving an expensive German car is not conducive to where you live because you're just going to wear it out. Oh, like was, you're just going to damage putting, it driving
0: it. I was putting like, it was costing me like a dollar a mile in tires on that S4 that I owned.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Whereas
3: <laughs> once you own the equipment for the the stereo, you get to experience all the benefits with no downsides. Like you don't use it up. You don't spend it. It's no. gone, you know, and you take a great amount of enjoyment from the the acoustic quality and it's it's psychologically good for you to engage with music at such a high level right it's like therapy it's it's a form of therapy for you specifically Mm. like for me it doesn't matter dude i'll pop a tape into a fucking tape deck in a car and they'd be like i know all the words to the song that's good enough for me you know it wouldn't be as beneficial to me to invest in that kind of a uh musical experience oh it's you know? not
0: an investment it's a complete waste of money
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey well man, it is an it investment if from, it does provide if it keeps you, know, you from therapy. hanging yourself in the garage <laughs> i'd say that's an investment <laughs> i think it's largely mushrooms psychedelic mushrooms <laughs> what are going to keep me from
3: hanging myself combined with a kick-ass stereo man it doesn't hurt <laughs> right, right like when you're out when you're on mushrooms and you're hearing each individual note like that is a heightened experience yeah yeah for sure so we have our priorities. We're all hypocrites to some degree. But just be selective.
0: Don't fall for every fucking marketing scam that mm-hmm. rolls your way.
1: Well, well it, yeah. And, and and to kind of just extend that a little bit, that was a kind of, you know, if, if going back to episode one, part of my desire was to, like, not enlighten necessarily, but highlight, you know, or just maybe, maybe um, create awareness for things that you can control in your life to limit access to, mm. you know, whether it's a mobile device, whether it's using VPNs and self hosting your data and not buying into the whole corporate cloud surveillance, corporate surveillance mentality of things because you know, cryptocurrencies and everything, and we won't get into the weeds on Bitcoin versus Monero versus other shit coins or whatever. But just the fact that there are options that exist outside the normy kind of infrastructure of things, like, you don't just have to use Google account. You don't just have to use Apple account. You don't just have to, like, buy in to all of the uh, data harvesting. You can actually resist. And I think that's kind of like, you know, it, it's impetus the resisting is kind of what I see Liberty AF is just kind of like dialogue, a place to kind of like. You know, no one has to agree with everything we say, but it's like get you thinking about stuff a little bit differently than what you're used to getting from your information funnel, whether it's a a few select podcasts or a, a news MSNBC or CNN outlet or Fox or whatever is to not, because that's, that's how the message is propagated is through the media and through the tentacles that the government has
3: through reaching you know, whether it's children or adults. I think I think part of the message of the media is the abdication of responsibility. And I think the the idea behind a podcast like this, the message behind the podcast of this is the assumption of responsibility. Like that's oh, 100%. Where, that's it, you, where freedom and liberty You can't come have from. freedom
1: without responsibility. And, right. and so it, you know you
3: have to make you have to take responsibility for your own decisions. And you have to recognize those decisions. So if I make a bad decision, if I spent $300 on an intake for a car that I don't really need. Your wife's not going to listen to this, is she? uh, It was a business expense. Uh Yeah, Uh, (laughs) I take responsibility for that. Like, okay, I'm going to make a frivolous purchase here. And I understand what I'm doing. And I probably, like, there's even a percentage of my brain that disagrees with this right, decision.
1: Right, That's kind of like basically trying to talk you out of it to a degree.
3: Right. You know, it's I, and I'm like, okay, like, this is what I'm doing right now. And I'm kind of a fucking idiot for doing it. <laughs> and I recognize that. But and if you're
1: making the choice knowing, having that, inform- having that mindset... Then in my opinion,
3: it's it's fine. Like you don't have to. Well it's better than just doing it mindlessly, we'll say that. It's better than just being Well, because
1: like, it means that how many times though does that thought process, does that that awareness right. stop you from actually making bad financial decisions in mm-hmm. that scenario?
0: Well, but also, you know, how much is fun worth to
1: you? That's the thing about it, right? Some, sometimes you just put that
0: price tag on on that. Because I think that's really what was missing in my corporate day to day, you know, like I just let them run me ragged and 16 hour days, six days a week kind of thing for years on end with no real meaningful vacations just tends to burn anybody out. Um, and I didn't, I I forgot to put a value on fun and what that does to actually make me a well-rounded person. Right. And you know, with the way things are now, I can smoke weed from the minute I get up in the morning to the minute I go to sleep at night.
3: I think that's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> so fun is actually part of a healthy culture. Sure. Like, uh, I mean, there's a reason why holidays and, and festivals existed as far as we have recorded history. is because they understood the value of taking a break and celebrating your hard work and celebrating the people around you, and celebrating things like the future. So you had like the Yule uh, holiday in the, in, the, in the Celtic tradition. The idea was like, it's shit right now. This is the absolute worst time of the year, the longest night of the year, in the coldest time of year. But we're going to celebrate this because the future is going to be better than this. We're going to celebrate we've turned a corner and everything gets better from here. And then they celebrate the planting season and then the harvest season and then weddings and and funerals and everything is a celebration of the natural rhythms of life. And it's really easy for us to isolate that for ourselves into like, I don't deserve a break because I need to keep working. Like you don't have anybody who's gathering around you and saying, no, motherfucker, this is the time of year where we're all going to take a break well, no, and we're all going to chill out. Yeah,
0: one of the things I learned even this year is just that that those timings, if you miss them, you're just kind of screwed. Yeah. And and when you're sitting in a climate-controlled cubicle... Oh, it's easy to do, isn't it? Yeah, you have no idea. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't really matter that you're missing those celebrations because, you know, it's always the same... Yeah exactly Flurent, sterile fluorescent light you know and yeah
1: god-awful temperature control yeah. Right. yeah you're seeing yeah. the same people the cafeteria you all is in serving there. some hot
3: meals different monday oh too it's taco tuesday yep. you know yeah, yeah the, the lights only reason go on and off the, the only reason we know it's thanksgiving day. is because they're serving turkey the, and <laughs> right, the, the cafeteria right yeah
1: i mean it is a pattern
3: the thing is is these systems are highly efficient systems sure but it takes awareness to invoke your natural right to take a break and celebrate the things, the other things that matter.
1: Well, and it's also designed to like make you feel guilty or bad in some way because you're actually having to like ask for permission approval, you know, like a, like a vacation request. right? And so it's almost like, Oh, I got to ask permission, you know? And it's like, let me put in my request. So, so
3: one of the things about the company I work at is that, Um, when it comes time to these major holidays, uh, the culture, at least my exposure to the culture, is that it's just understood that less work is going to get done at this time of year. Mm. And like, everybody understands that when we get to the holidays, people are going to be taking vacations, people are not going to be available, and they plan for productivity to go down. And, the company I work for has one of the highest rated company cultures in the fortune 500 world. You got a high ESG score. Uh, they're working on their yeah. ESG score. That's, that's actually bringing the company culture. Black down. BlackRock auditing you on your, on your ESG. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I'm, I'm personally contributing to the company culture going down because <laughs> yeah, in the right. surveys, they're getting a lot of ones right now. They're getting a lot of ones man. with a lot of explanations. Way to be brave. Appreciate your courage. And pulling and like actually mentioning ESG in the comments. And just saying, this is fucking bullshit. This Really? You guys are chasing this ESG score and it's going to bring everybody down. Well,
1: have you seen Netflix
3: pushing back? Yeah. No.
1: Netflix was one of the first because BlackRock was a major investor mm-hmm. into Netflix. And so Netflix started trying to cater to the BlackRock ESG plan. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like where this, you know, when, when cuties came out and they were trying to be all woke and they were putting out all this content.
3: Everyone is welcome. Right. Even well, pedophiles.
1: The, pro- the problem is they stopped focusing on creating good quality content. I mean, one of the reasons why Netflix did so well was because they picked up from like what season three on Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. and Breaking Bad was a arguably, in my opinion, fucking one of the best shows that's ever existed on earth. As far as
3: a long haul, didn't shy episodic- away from using the word faggot.
1: Right. Well, <laughs> that's not the reason why. But it was just no. It was well written. I no, mean, it was a- it, it's
3: part of the reason why. Sure. Like now, this is before the woke revolution. Well, yeah, entertainment, but they did not shy away from using the word faggot in the show, and like it, it. This is what's what Breaking Bad tried to do is is create a realistic version of the complete corruption of the everyday man, and in order to do that, you can't pull any punches. Sure, you cannot you pull could, any punches. You
1: can say the same about like uh, Kevin Spacey's role in American Beauty. You know what I mean? It's like it's raw. It's or like what were you, Sopranos or Sopranos.
3: Um never watched that one. It, I haven't watched it either, but I've read enough about it. You know the idea. I enjoyed it. I watched Tony it. Tony Soprano. Like, like the idea of going to therapy it was a was a was questioning his manhood and sure question, you know and like. Uh,
1: it, my, my whole point is is that you know they. Well, they went into a massive decline and they actually had a negative subscriber rate because they couldn't sign up enough more new people for people that were leaving because the content started becoming shit, pure shit. And they've kind of like realized like, wow, this is actually not, this is not beneficial for us at all. And so that's why you started seeing things like non cancelable content, like uh, Dave Chappelle's standups. Mm-hmm. I mean, they tried like hell the woke movement t- tried to lobby to have him canceled off Netflix, right. but the but Netflix was like, well, they, I mean, they have all the metric data; they can see all the metrics on the back end whose who subscribers are, are staying and 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 watching this, you know, his content. And they're like, we we can't take him off. It's the yeah. same reason why Spotify can't take Joe Rogan off. I'm not saying they're not cancelable, but it's just like it gets to a point where if you're a for profit company and you have shareholders to to cater to to you know earn profits for. You eventually have to start kind of going anti woke to a degree. So,
3: so there's there's a there's an element here that people I think tend to forget, which is like the entire point of the woke culture, the woke ethic is to destroy. It sure. is not to replace. It is to destroy. It is to destroy. It's to tear and down. So when people say, "Well, go woke, go broke," like you shouldn't go woke. Well, the the really motivated people, that is the goal, is to destroy these companies. And so that's not a that's not a in my opinion a good explanation. Which is
1: again why I think that this is engineered and designed, mm-hmm. and not just a uh, you know a bunch a of idiots getting lucky, mm-hmm. right?
3: But I would say that perhaps a company like Netflix is on the forefront of an actual war, and I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean legitimate war. Between the forces of destruction and the forces of Western uh, capitalism and right, and so rule of law and, all and all I agree
1: with that. that. But then, if, if that's kind of the you know, if that war is happening, who's at the top? Because then we have to come back to conspiracy again between mm-hmm. you know BlackRock, BlackRock and BlackRock's investments globally mm-hmm. and what they. I mean, they may handle more capital in the U.S. than any any other corporation in, in our nation.
3: I'm pretty sure they do. Right. If, if they're in the top three. In
1: the top three. Um, what, is,
3: what is the one that starts with a V? Vanguard. 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 Yeah. yeah,
1: Vanguard. Um, so it's kind of like somewhere along the line, there's an agenda mm-hmm. at that level. Netflix is just, you know, the shit they're dealing with is basically a side effect.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and if you look at it from a more practical standpoint, let's say you are part of an organization that has this largest amount of capital that you invest in securities and other investment vehicles um that is a lot of responsibility for a lot of your policyholders or, or share owners or whatever right and i think sometimes things get oversimplified at the top you know like My experience in corporate America presenting to C-level executives was basically you had to present it in crayon.
3: (laughs) Well, is that because they're stupid or is that because they're managing so much? It's
0: because they're managing so much. They need really short messages. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I think the messages that bubble up are distilled improperly Mm -hmm. through incompetence, through malice. Through agendas. Through agendas. And, you know, they do the best they can but I think ultimately they're fallible because they're people pleasers mm-hmm. in those roles. they're PR agents you know' we're, we're a company that is on the right side of whatever issue, so that way it's safe to spend your money with us yeah,
1: yeah and, and just so people know if they're not familiar with BlackRock, um, as of a year ago, they managed nine and a half trillion dollars in assets
3: and like, I think Vanguard
0: is
1: like double that
0: perhaps well, but I thought I thought, oh no, never mind i'm I'm thinking of I'm conflating two different things there was Blackstone uh
1: Vanguard's seven and a half trillion oh
3: okay, I'm wrong about that then okay so they're
1: actually a little less than black okay black is but it's huge I mean you're talking about two two companies that essentially Rule the world. Rule the world. I mean, what's our <laughs> what's our annual GDP here? It's five know, or it's seven a nose trillion dive right what, now, isn't
0: it? <laughs> well, it depends. Are you looking at nominal or real value mm-hmm. of the US dollar?
1: Yeah. So I mean according to twenty twenty, it's twenty point one trillion, roughly twenty-one trillion dollars, right? Um so these two companies
3: control almost the and, equivalent of that.
0: Well, do you know how much printed currency there is in the entire world, like in circulation? Fifty it's not even. It's like thirty four trillion, I think. It's mm. either thirty four or forty three trillion. Wow. So when you start thinking about the amount of capital that these guys hold, you know, if they went to liquidate that, it would
1: it would decimate. Yeah, yeah. it would decimate the, the economy. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So I wanted to say one other thing about Netflix. Um and and their woke content. Versus their non-woke content. So you can take something like Cuties and compare it to Dave Chappelle. You have two very different things going on there. Mm-hmm. So I was watching Stranger Things with my kids. And uh, Stranger Things is obviously set in the 80s, mid-80s. And it's, it's a cool story. It plays to some of my favorite interests. Mind control, government experiments, mm-hmm uh uh sensory deprivation tanks and some the, sci-fi the underworld yeah. you know all kinds of cool stuff plus it's set in the 80s and they do a really good job of not overplaying the um the uh uh what's the word i'm looking for um the nostalgia nostalgia yeah they, they
1: kind of it's it's very peppered in
3: they don't you know? overplay it right right they do a really good job kind of like the americans did not overplay nostalgia mm, for the right. 80s uh And they've got two characters in the show that are gay. And I, as somebody who's raising kids who are in the age range of being very susceptible to this kind of stuff, I was very on edge about watching a show that's going to push this agenda. And especially, like, from an entertainment point of view, ruin the fucking show, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, I think in, in the 80s, like, growing up in the 80s, definitely. I can see if you were gay, you would never admit it. We definitely had students who we knew were gay, mm-hmm. but they would
3: never admit it. They would never admit it. Right. So that was my experience as well. Even as a homeschooler in a fundamental fundamentalist Christian environment, fundamentalist in evangelical Cult. environment, we had gay friends who everybody knew was gay, mm-hmm. but who would not admit That they were gay. And it wasn't for a lack of acceptance. It was just the culture of just being like very hesitant to say anything like that. Um, But within the the friend group itself, there should have been enough security within the friend group. But that threshold wasn't crossed. And I was surprised that Stranger Things seemed to take that tactic of if any of these people was just being honest. They would say, these characters are gay. But there's like this underlying culture of just not acknowledging it and and maybe even having a blind spot for it. And and it's not part of every single episode. It's not like they're like, oh, by the way, do you remember that these two characters right, are gay? Right. It's like incidental along the way. Mm. Part of what's driving the story forward between these characters, part of what's driving their friendship forward and the, the dynamics of the group and everything. And I, I got to say, I was actually impressed in the way that they handled it. Because it actually made it even more realistic for that nostalgia of that time period. Hmm. Like, I was a kid in the 80s. I was a teenager in the 90s. We had youth group. We had friend groups. We had gay people who everybody's like, I think they're gay but I'm not going to be the one to say it. <laughs> right.
1: You know? But it, it was more of a curiosity thing and not necessarily a, a judgmental thing. Right. You it know? was just it like, was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You know. and, and, and one of these people I spent a significant amount of time with one on one and looking back on that. <sighs> you time, and me both. I mean, yeah. You know, and, I won't and look, say
1: his name, but I mean, you know, I had a very good friend. We were tight. Yeah. We were,
3: and, and looking back on that, none of those interactions made me uncomfortable. None of those right. interactions were like, oh my God, I think this dude might be a faggot and I think I'm going to punch him in the face because he likes dudes. It was always just like, man, I wish this dude would just stop pretending. Right. You know, like, right. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and that's how it's handled in the show and I think Stranger Things is one of the flagship show, uh, series on Netflix Right. and it's one of the things that keeps people engaged and it was encouraging to see them not destroy that with some unrealistic agenda. Right. You know, um, I don't I don't know exactly why they put the gay characters in there, but it was totally realistic based on my own experience growing up in that time period.
0: Well, the thing that really bothered me about that series was their use of the term douchebag <laughs> in the 80s.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that we did not. It wasn't a thing. No, it, didn't it wasn't exist. a was thing. Was that a 90s thing?
0: I wasn't. I wasn't around. I really for... didn't start until I'd say Dane Cook.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that's probably about right. Which yeah. was probably mid two thousands. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Five, six.
3: Two, I nine, believe if you go back to six uh, to Pretty in Pink, I believe the term is used in Pretty in Pink. Probably, but
0: that was sort of I the cut. It was, the, a, I was testing it. Yeah, was it was. Well, it. it was an out. It was an outlier movie. It was
3: like it wasn't.
1: Like, Can't Buy Me Love. You know, there's a couple movies is, that were in that. Does Douchebag
3: movie. appear in Breakfast Club? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, it could, <laughs> but maybe it didn't. But uh, who's the specifics. guy that plays the the um, the the guy in Pretty in Pink? Uh, I can't The remember. guy? Uh, He's in The Office. He plays Robert California in The Office. Um, I don't know. I saw this movie, like, when I was eight. So. God. But he is, like... Him and his friends are the definition of douchebag.
1: Is it um John Cryer,
3: Andrew McCarthy? Uh James Spader? Spader. Spader. James Spader. Okay. Yeah. So their characters in Pretty and Pink are literally the definition. I mean, yuppie yuppie kids and douchebag, it's gotta be the same thing, right?
0: Okay. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know that they're necessarily synonymous. I in my I mind. I don't look, a- look at a yuppie and say douchebag. I look at a douchebag and say douchebag. Like usually, <laughs> come on. Like of a, like right, a douchebag is somebody that's kind of self unaware, but runs his mouth a lot.
1: Well, I'd say self absorbed, like you know, and and attention seeking. Right? If you have the popped collar with the fucking loafers and the you know, it's kind of like you're that's a, kind of a douchebag. It's a
3: yuppie though. It's a no. It's an eighteen year old yuppie.
0: I don't know. I. I almost
1: closely identified to Yuppie for a while. So, oh, dude, you were a total Yuppie. I mean,
3: you still are. It's in your bloodline. Could it be possible you were also a douchebag?
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I I generally despise people. So, I, it's hard for me to spare people's feelings sometimes, though I do a lot, despite your observations.
3: <laughs> I can tell you're holding back. Your head turns sure like red really a lot. Hold back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but, Getting like getting back to the idea here of Netflix being on the on the forefront of that culture war, um, I actually know that there is a guy who posts on ar15 com who is working on that show. Really? Yeah, that's cool. And I don't know what his role is, but he's not like the key grip. Like he has actual artistic direction going right, on, right? Because um, I know there's conversations that go on about um, trying to slip things into the show that are. F- dot comers would be like oh i got that one right like
1: that 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 meme like in uh um once upon a time Ho- once upon a time in hollywood and, and leonardo dicaprio's like you know yeah. like pointing to the tv yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
3: there's some gunplay in stranger things and for the most part it's somewhat realistic okay uh and so
1: what uh season are you in or you uh, finished? you finished finish the season current four? season yeah, yeah. Yeah. Season four, right? Yeah. I haven't season watched season four. four. I've seen the first three seasons. And
0: so. Does does it end by the girl holding her hand out?
3: Uh, n- Actually, this is another good thing about the show. They do not spare these young characters from misery, pain, and death. And hmm. just, That's very 80s for sure. And I'll just say that. And also, there was a an extremely righteous metal scene in the last episode that is the kind of scene that if you care at all about metal you will feel the urge to stand up out of your seat like metal music yeah, yeah. okay, okay. I, I like a metallica a cover done extremely well and so it's it's in master of puppets yeah master of puppets oh i heard him so- dude even the even the clip if you watch the clip by itself with no context for what's going on in the show it still gets you amped up <laughs> That is one of my favorite albums,
2: actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, and it's a
3: great song, and they do a fantastic job of of putting it into the storyline. But that's another good thing about the show is, like, I think that the idea of kids, and I mean kids like preteens, teens, teens, uh, going through actual um, suffering to mature them into adults is like a really powerful well, think, theme. Yeah, it's the coming-of-age story. Like, we had
0: Stand By Me. Right, Stand By okay. Me growing up. um, it, And then there was... The Lost Boys. Well, but, but there, Boys. That's still, like, that Death still existed for, for other generations. Like, I think Millennials had... Um, what was it? The Art of Being a Wallflower, maybe?
3: I, I didn't watch of, that one, but I
0: remember that... Well, it was a book, too. But but this generally, I think... When I watched it, it hit me a lot harder than what I was expecting it mm-hmm. to, to do. Um, and I found that the characters ended up being very relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, and I, I think that's another problem is we have like kind of a generational war. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. You know, there,
3: and this generational war, I think, is stoked on, on the side, like the the powers that be are stoking all the wars, the race wars, the gender wars, the generational wars. Yeah. Okay, boomer. You know, it's like, this is not productive. It's
1: funny though. Cause like, this is the first time in, I, in the last five years, I'd say the last really three to five years where it's actually like a, a slur to refer to someone by their generation. Yeah. So that never seemed like a thing before.
3: You know, what's funny is when I was working for the uh, government, I remember there was a, uh, I don't remember, I think it was optional. It was an optional class on intergenerational communication. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I really became aware, according to them, that the generations have a problem with each other. Right. And I swear to God, ever since that educational seminar, it's been in the front of my mind that different generations can't communicate with each other. Like, up until that moment... It was fine. And then they told me about it, and it was like, oh, now I have to just, like, not trust every other generation.
1: But, like, when um, I've worked, you know, mostly in kind of, like, technology jobs in my adult life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if there was a working in, I, you know, whoops, cat's falling off the damn couch. (laughs) Um, Working in, like, technology, there's been always, you know, aspects of, like, kind of, like, um, in the beginning, like, help, traditional help desk type jobs, and moving into like more specialized service desk I'll call them not like oh my camp, my mouse doesn't work or whatever, but like more service desk stuff, but it's like there was always been like you know our eye roll going like, I know I've got an older person on the phone and they don't understand what I'm trying to tell them because they're not is you know adept and technical technically savvy, so there's an eye roll, but it was never like I never said boomer, you know yeah. it' was like it wasn't like a thing until like the last few years where you know, i feel it like was, it's it kind was of actually a in line. my experience
3: it's like you use that person's name right yeah you know, correct like, that's bob yeah not that's a boomer that's just bob right bob's an asshole <laughs> if you're wrong right and bob will become very friendly if you're not wrong right you know right and so you knew people by their names you knew their personalities by their names you knew their idiosyncrasies by their names their skill level by their names and now it's like millennial boomer zoomer zoomer you know and And, and, i'm guilty of it too sure sure yeah i do my when i do my classes i pick on everybody but i identify them by their generation because
1: it's it's kind of it's it's standard it's relatable the culture but and it can be used as a term of endearment but it can also be used as a you know, a slur or a, a negative, you know, kind of a dig on them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, Well, and I think maybe something. But the funny thing is I never hear anybody really negatively refer to a Gen Xer.
3: That's true, man. And I, I even admit it in my own classes. Like, I don't have, I tell people I don't have any Gen X jokes. Which
0: is which is
1: really weird because when
0: our generation was coming up, the the stereotype was that we were
1: lazy slackers. I know. And right. We, and that we were kind of. I mean, an, look at Back to the Future. Slackers, you know, know, you're a
3: slacker, McFly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember that from the 90s. I remember the grunge movement like, this is all the Gen Xers and the Woodstock and the like, all of that stuff. And it's just like, it's funny because now you guys skate below the radar nobody says shit about you nobody even i bet you zoomers and i'm gonna stereotype i bet you zoomers don't even know that gen x exists
1: well we were a really small generation right it was a pretty small window it really was it was like the 70s well no it wasn't even the 70s it was like really like 76 77 to about
3: 84 so roughly the boomer generation kind of where millennials picked up was like the mid eighties. The boomer generation technically ended in 1960. If you, if you look at all the standards or whatever, but like gen X didn't really get acknowledged. Like you said, until the seventies. So you have like this lost decade. That's true. You know, uh, technically I'm a millennial. I was born in 81 Right. Um, And I think part of the definition of millennial is you came of age at the millennium. Right. Uh, Right. And so, or,
0: you know, like. Well, it wasn't until the smartphone that society really started its downfall. So I think that puts you more in Generation X. So. I,
3: I, I identify more with the Gen Xers. I mean that was your influence, yeah, for that, sure. That was my pub,
1: influence, pop culture wise, technology wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're what two and a half years apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's like, yeah. I am hundred percent. I don't. I, I mean, the kind of splitting hairs on this specific it year. Is, my it, whole point is, is that I don't hear Zoomers say "fucking Gen Xers" and I don't hear Boomers say there, "there's no slur for Gen Xers." Right? It's either your. It's
3: either Boomer, Millennial, or Zoomer. Right. So it's kind of funny because it's like a backhanded way of saying you guys don't even exist, but also you don't get any of the blame. Well, <laughs> I think I think there's a
0: fear of Gen X taking any power, which is why the focus is on kind of well, millennial Zoomer.
3: It's
1: like the X last generation. Gen X built all of the technology. That's true, that with that the is. exception of some of the early, the older guys in the late '60s and early '70s. You know, from, from they're, like they're a programming standpoint, I'm talking about the internet, yeah. yeah, and the the that whole transformation, that metamorphosis of, of 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 connectivity and communication. Right. It was all Gen X. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. The reason why everyone has a smartphone in their hand is because of people like Steve Jobs. Is because of people like Bill Gates. Those are all their older Give Gen Wozniak Xers. His credit Wozniak, hundred percent Wozniak. Um, <laughs> it, when I think about Everything I learned in technology, it was always a Gen Xer that was conveying and educating me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was always the the slightly older generation that was middle management. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: You know, think of like the Brian Van Camps. Think of you know what I mean. Like, I
3: you just, know what's you know what's weird is I think like these kind of conversations don't exist in other strong cultures, homogenized strong cultures. But in every culture where there's this big fundamental shift is where these conversations, like the, the war between the generations is part of the culture itself. Yeah. You know, yeah, which is part of the divisiveness.
1: But I think that's also, so when we, so that's interesting because going back to the part of the conversation we were talking about where, what, who's to blame, Mm -hmm. right? For a lot of this woke shit and, You know, you could be the gender you want and whatever, accepting blah, 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 is because Gen Xers are kind of pretty much responsible for at least like fostering it, grooming it. To a degree. Or ignoring like, it. Or ignoring it and just being like, whatever, okay, you know, whatever. And so maybe that's I why. whatever is the definition of a Gen X. Yeah, whatever. There's even a gang sign for it. There is it. a gang sign for <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. There is a gang sign. <laughs> this is my set. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's like, that's why I, I kind of, it's kind of a humbling thing. You know, I am a parent of a millennial. Mm-hmm. Two of them. You know, really, but I'm just saying, like, well, isn't and I your think youngest about
3: really kind of on the line of Zoomer and Millennial. Yeah,
1: probably. He's born in 2000. Yeah, so so would you classify yourself as kind of a skeptic? No, not yeah. necessarily. Ske- not nah, not really. That's why I almost feel like I kind of take some responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying is. I'm one of the people that, like, it's kind of like uh, that scene in The Hangover, like, go back. You know, he's calling the girl, you know, oh, we fucked up. Can't find him. <laughs> you know, I kind of feel that way where it's like, oh, my God, what what the hell did we do? We literally started a bonfire that we can't put out.
3: Well, it's and, this balance of responsibility. Because I certainly,
1: I I raised them. I mean, you know, you try to do your best on everything else. But there was
3: definitely a level of, I'm going to raise you the way I wanted to be raised. Exactly. And I actually started out that way and reverted. I've been slowly reverting over time to back to the way I was raised. Sure. Because I realized the pitfalls of just making shit up as but I go. you only got there because of of seeing kind of like... The culture. Right. Like watching the culture in decline and being like, oh, fuck. I, right. This is what this is leading to? You got to start pumping the brakes. Yeah. And I'm too late for that because I'm a, I'm a little
1: older than you and I started before you. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, well, it's too late. I mean... It's never too late. No, it's not too late. But what I mean is, it's kind of like too late generationally speaking. Mm -hmm. You know, like
0: I don't know. You know, um, Colonel Sanders didn't really get his start until the 60s.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There is a precedent. But at the same time, we know people that are in our circle that are millennials or really old Zoomers. Close to Zoomers, yeah, close to Zoomers. (laughs) That they are definitely they sh- they have characteristics to, to, of that, but they're to also use the
3: parlance of the times. Very based, very fucking based. Which I feel retarded saying that because it's I like I feel
1: like it's a zoomer thing to say. It's a total, but bullshit, it's the zoomer. right. It's the, it's like the right word to use. What other word in you that context? Use? I, I don't fucking know. Red pill, That's another. One. I mean, we have a group chat with these guys. We talk every day. Yeah, and it's like I'm like boost as fuck because I'm like, well, it's it gets the. It, I'm defining what it is, Yeah. even though I'm kind of like eye rolling a little bit because I'm like. Basis fuck is retarded, but because I'm just saying like accurate or right or yeah. but it's but in
0: media wars your your message has to be succinct. So. Yeah, yeah,
3: no, I mean it's so there's just like there's this balance between this personal responsibility and understanding the power of the culture. You know, so like you're saying, it's never too late. That's the personal responsibility side. Mm. On the flip side, it's very impossible for one person to stand against the movement of the culture. Oh, absolutely. You know? yeah. No. But the culture is made up of individuals, and those individuals either assume or shirk their responsibilities. Mm. You know, so when we celebrate that we have young friends who are awake and and more turned on, tuned in and,
1: and it is the goal to have them on within the next episode or two as well because yes. I, I do really want a a a broad spectrum
3: of the point of view but views. I, I wonder so how that,
1: much
0: that should be january of
1: yeah right no, th- no 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 i'm gonna i'm gonna i I'm wonder gonna how much of this to... is
3: tied to actual intelligence though because these people we're talking about are like some of the funniest people i've ever met and it's like it's almost and, absurd to think and about how some funny. of the
1: most accurate long-range shooters I've ever yeah. shot with.
3: And so it's like, are they based because they're smart, or are they smart because they're based? Like, and how did they I, get? There? I don't
1: know. It's a chicken and the egg kind of yeah. kind of situation. But I think it's, it, I I know because you know they went to school with a lot of people who probably are a one eighty from them. Yeah. So they were probably educated by the same people. They were exposed to a lot of the same propaganda,
3: and so like we take we 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 insert our our personalities. We assume our personalities from the culture we grew up in. We're like because I'm an '80s kid, because I'm a '90s kid, I'm like
1: that. This. That's what I'm saying. But that, these
3: kids are like a product of these dipshit generations. Dude, even and though
1: and they're not like even that. though they're Zoomer slash millennial, they still get Red Dawn, right? right. They still get. Tax. I mean, the water bottles have taxation as theft on it. Yeah, like they're that to me is woke. That's woke as fuck. That's woke as fuck. <laughs> it's base as fuck. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, base is actually like the opposite of woke, isn't it? it can, right, it is. Yeah. It is the opposite of woke.
3: So, and I still don't even know what it means. It just means that it comes. No, no, no. I, I get what it means. Yeah, I don't know where it came from. I don't. Ah, know the it's
1: got to be Reddit or 4chan or something. Like what does based And see, we know all that shit because we invented it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's based. Like, what do you mean based? Like, what does? I mean, people like.
1: For me, it's like when I go to Reddit. Which you know, of course, if you go to Reddit, you should go to the old right? Mm-hmm. And you should and be, you should turn
3: half your brain off.
1: Well, and you should be running a you should be running uBlock Origin in your Firefox, and you should be blocking don't JavaScript don't as much as possible. In. Don't log in. Just go but, to a specific subreddit. I guess. But I mean, it's like they it's like they think that that was like the original. It's not. There was dig before that before dig changed to what whatever the shit it after kevin rose's company sold it or whatever it was actually pretty decent and it was like excuse me it was it was the same system you know voting up and down articles so shit would get buried and good stuff would go rise to the top it was very democratic and it's like that whole thing was invented by gen xers who basically wanted to try to make things as transparent and fair as possible Really, kind of. I mean, I, I know things didn't always turn out that way, but I think that the, the mentality was, I, I want it to be as democratic and fair and open as possible. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Zuckerberg, Look, I mean, Facebook's turned into more of a business model over the last decade, but I mean, essentially it was to be this kind of like, you know, fuck, you know, fuck around and find out kind of a platform. Mm-hmm. I want to pull chicks, mm-hmm. right? Myspace yeah tom never did us did us wrong i kind of feel bad you know i think myspace should have won in that war i always felt like tom tom was you ever wonder friend. if that really wasn't so,
3: tom in that picture i don't know
1: man you know it's hard to say it's hard to say but my whole point is is that it was built by generation x yeah and smartphones and internet technologies and delivery services of food and amazon and all this other bullshit that basically is a part of everyone's everyday life now google great great example you know you got a google google assistant you got an alexa in your home for amazon whatever the fuck you know the stuff that you think is just normal utility was developed and implemented by generation x Mm -hmm. and so i kind of feel like because of all of that we don't necessarily take blame on shit necessarily or we're not it's not a derogatory term to be called i've never heard anyone call me be like you fucking gen xer
3: i don't even hear that term ever like I hear it in conversations with friends, but I don't hear it in the media. I don't hear Gen right. X. Well, it's because ever. we're not a
0: meaningful market segment. So there's there's why
3: not? You guys are the last prosperous generation.
0: Well, but we're not anymore. We're not like getting squeezed, bro. Yeah, like You're not getting squeezed
3: harder than Zoomers are.
0: No, but it's it's not a. It doesn't really matter. It's the fact that the corner got turned at our generation. Prior to this it was assumed that you were always going to enjoy more prosperity, better financial health than your than your parents. Nothing could certainly well, be f- further from the truth in my And case. there was a big
1: push for Gen Xers for secondary education. That yeah. the, that their that their but parents didn't have a lot maybe, of opportunity. Maybe the real key they,
3: is that you guys are outside of the the target demographic. You're not in the 18 to 35 or 18 to 40 demographic anymore. No. Yeah. Maybe that's why nobody says anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're just not. We're not. We're not. It's we're it's kind of relevant market.
1: If you're between the ages, I'd say of like thirty seven and forty nine, right now, you know, we're, you're we're
0: fucked when we get to be like retirement age because they're going to be like, mm, what? What you know, generation? Yeah, generation <laughs> X. Like
3: we couldn't even get them a real. They didn't do anything. Man, I, and we, we don't wonder, pay we for, don't pay even for Medicare. Let's just I wonder fucking too, kill them. If there's like this blending of when people say millennial they're talking about millennials and old and younger gen xers and Maybe. when they say boomer they're talking about boomers and and older gen xers like this is like legit a forgotten de- generation
0: well, i certainly picked up boomer tendencies you know like my my mom was a boomer
3: like saving money like well, negotiating <laughs> keeping yeah. your debt low
0: <laughs> yeah you know i mean those those certainly were strategies for a while like like talking about the old days
1: but uh, but they did maintaining an 800 plus credit score (laughs) but it didn't it didn't yield
0: any satisfaction for me like it would it it only earned me the right to participate in that system another day Mm -hmm. right and for somebody who wasn't married and didn't have kids i'm just looking around at these people going what do i have in common why am i here going through this process that i hate
3: yeah Again, I think this is another consequence of a lack of culture because without that structure in place, you're left to find your own meaning. And in, in a consumerist culture, there is no meaning.
0: Uh, well, and I always excelled in environments where I had a mentor. Mm-hmm. But towards the end of my career, um, I no longer had mentors. I only had people who were my responsibility. And they were in many different countries with many different cultures. Mm-hmm. Running very chaotic
3: shows, each one different than the other. And don't underestimate the effect of differences in time and how that can affect your ability to connect with what you're doing.
0: No, absolutely. I'm programmed to get up basically no later than 5 a.m.
3: So you're getting up butt-ass early, you know that everybody else has been working all day. By the time you finish with them, you're on a completely different schedule. That's, like, super disoriented. We didn't evolve for that.
0: Well, kind of. I mean, when you wake up, you always get your bearings. And certainly one of the things I've learned, like, in the last few months, like, I tend to sleep wherever I can.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And so even when I wake up in my room, there's this moment where I have to look around and assess... You know, am I over in, in this building? Mm-hmm. Am I outside? <laughs> it, you know, did I fall asleep on the couch or at the counter in the kitchen? Like, you know, <laughs> something something like that. But it's still there. It's just it's just a different way of getting your bearings for the day. My day was a little bit more complicated because it, it was a follow the sun model. You know, so I had to carry work from one team as the sun went around. <laughs> And and now that actually works out great for me because I can get up before sunrise, enjoy a cup of coffee, go let the goats out and like enjoy my coffee and then just kind of get the shit taken care of to get the animals taken care of for the mm-hmm. day.
3: But I think if you're if you're sitting there without a good solid structure behind you, then working other people's schedules for a goal that you're not really invested in. Is even more of a drain on you. Well, yeah, it was all working at, it a was, nine to five. It was know? all
0: abstract, you know. It mm-hmm. was it was like hoisting the mission accomplished banner <laughs> <laughs> for George Bush, <laughs> right?
3: Because what mission? <laughs> <laughs> what mission? <laughs> <laughs> what did we do here? It's like that line from, uh, um, uh, what's the name of that movie? Burn after reading. Burn what, after reading. The, the files like, are. What did we learn from this? Fuck if I know. The files are in just trying the to computer. do it again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's it's super disorienting to work so hard for something when you don't really connect with the outcome. Yeah, you know, for sure, we're not we're not engineered for that at all, right? We're, I mean, that's like the definition of like a, an automaton, you know, robot. It's just like well, inputs and output, and fuck you for if you care. Mm-hmm. You well, know? and
0: I don't, I don't know how. You don't inflict mental illness on your workforce with that routine, mm-hmm. because if if people aren't getting a firsthand material benefit from their efforts, it's just this abstract thing that sucks up most of the time of their life, and they become resentful of it, mm-hmm. and they'll spend their entire day fucking around on social well, the media thing and is, shit. You know, like. the thing
3: is, is like I think a lot of people actually don't resent it because they're not even really aware. Like it's killing their soul on a level that they're not really aware of. Mm -hmm. But for the people who are somewhat aware, it is soul crushing work, you know. And I work with a number of people who are heavily invested in what they do. And if you ask them, like, don't you, is this fulfilling to you? They'd be like, 100%, this is totally fulfilling. I'm like, really? But then you start diving a little bit deeper into the, the type of person they are, right? And you're just like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. You know, it it just seems like
0: they happen to find a
3: place where they could apply a formula and get the same outcome. Right. Like they've learned how to channel what they do into a meaning. Whereas Mm -hmm. other people just can't do that. You know, like it's,
1: it's weird because like for me, and especially like the people I work with in my professional day, the age ranges vary. the, The generations definitely vary quite a bit. Uh, Because mostly it's business owners and entrepreneurs and and then it's other vendor partners. And the communication style is very lost in translation sometimes. Yeah, And some of these people are like in their 30s versus other people in their like mid to late 50s. And, you know, sitting on a Zoom call and I'm like, I know it this person's expecting and i know what this person's trying to say but they can't communicate somehow so i'm a translator because
3: you're a gen x writer. right yeah right x there's got to be something there's in that something number, about right that dude. you know what That's i mean it's like there's, some indiana jones type yeah. shit right there it is it's marks the spot and it's
1: like I, i'm not even aware of it until after towards the end and i'm like holy shit i don't think these people would have been able to communicate if i wasn't here mm-hmm. to kind of like you know, translate in a way. It's okay.
3: I speak boomer. <laughs> <laughs> I speak boomer
1: and I speak millennial and zoomer. You know, it's kind of like, because I, I do, I get it. It's like that that line from Airplane. I speak jive. <laughs> well, because, okay, I'll give you a perfect example, right? So I work in digital marketing. So a lot of my clients are, they range in verticals from all over the place, law firms and home services companies. And then some of the people that actually do the implementation are younger, right? So they're in their, Uh, late 20s, early 30s. And when we're talking about things like social media campaigns and we're talking about like TikTok, we're talking about Instagram, we're talking about different different things, right? Uh, Because I know it all, like both sides of it, I know what the business is expecting and I know what the people who are doing the implementation are trying to actually convey as far as like a strategy. And they can't, they cannot communicate this and so for me to be able to come in and I, and, and basically identify like the business, like fulfillments that it's going to do, but then also be able to explain the creative side and the implementation of like, so one, why we're doing it or why it's necessary and two, how it's going to be done. It's like, there's these like, oh, okay, I, I understand. Or, oh, okay, we get it. And I'm just like, you fucking, <laughs> you know, because it's like, it's very obvious to me because I've lived, I have lived, I get both sides and mm-hmm. I know... Part of it is also, too, maybe, it's like...
3: Maybe that's why you're being ignored because you guys are like the Rosetta Stone.
1: <laughs> like
3: Maybe. Like, maybe, the culture war right? can't exist if there's a mediator between yeah, the cultures. Yeah, you know,
1: talking about, like... I'm talking about, like, things to... Okay, I'll, you know, a great example would be for the business. We'll talk about response attribution right? We have the ways to tell you which channels these conversions are coming from, where the attention is actually coming from and where the conversions are happening and then be able to flip over and then also talk about how we're actually going to break down the demographic or, you know, the geography or income level or, you know, and the messaging around it and and whether it's imagery or video or memes or whatever we're doing. It's like I can speak both languages and that is it it just kind of it just really kind of like dawned on me it, recently it, it
3: sounds like a joke but i think there's actually something to that like like literally the rosetta stone where it unlocked the communication like i can
1: talk to a 25 year old and say base this fuck i know about the fuck i right. know about sneaker well, con was, i know about was, you know in
3: my
0: professional career i always got this weird credit for diplomacy and I'm anything but a diplomat, <laughs> but but I think right. what that was, it was a, uh, just a generational attribute where I understood the people that came before me enough, and the people that came after me enough.
3: You are that I like,
0: can, that I can kind of make shit run just by being there. You're you're
3: it's 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 like a form of witchcraft. It Where is you it guys a are...
1: boomer's not gonna understand Leroy Jenkins. A boomer's not gonna understand. No, it's you know, a total
3: soft skill, and if I tried to put it on a resume, I'd never fucking get hired anywhere right. for it. Yeah, yeah but right. a good hire a, a good person who's hiring. If you would be if, like this if, person is the target age.
1: Right. If I can I can I can listen to what the client wants and turn around when we do the implementation and it's like, oh yeah, so we're gonna use Pepe the Frog for this one. Or we're gonna you know what I mean? It's like that would be I, awesome. That would be base as fuck. That's base as fuck. My whole point <laughs> is and because especially Pepe the Frog and coming from Fortune. Can. you know, it's like, look, I look at the same memes you do on Reddit. I look at the same memes you do on, you know, a matter of fact, I'm so nerdy. I actually run a Mastodon server. I actually run backbone infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's like, so I'm so in it. I'm more in it than you are, mm-hmm. bitch. You know, and at the same time, I can look at a boomer and be like, yeah, I I, I
3: I know that you don't know these so, things, but I know what you're ultimately so wanting. So in, uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia. Right. C.S. Lewis. Um, some of the You're characters some of the characters in the story had the deep knowledge like and that's what made them so valuable in the story they had the deep knowledge they understood what the current culture was and how it used to be and they were able to use this knowledge to restore what was lost because the white witch had destroyed everything Right. They use their deep knowledge to restore what it should have been. So I, I legit think that there might be something to this with this Gen X thing of like, we're just going to pretend you guys don't even exist because you're such a threat. Like we're not going to use you in the culture war. We want no one to even. I've never acknowledge really considered
1: that 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 perspective but it kind of it makes
3: a lot of sense and and i'm sure there's no conscious effort i'm sure there's no conscious effort like hey everybody we're going to go to the world economic forum and we're going to have a a conversation about how we should ignore gen xers but it might be a reaction hmm. by the powers that be to ignore the people who are actually a potential threat well because we we
0: we laid witness to all of the or i could be completely full shit well, but, but we did label No, this. But you I, did. The things that happened in the 90s. Like, you know, I can tell you from firsthand experience shit that I remember consuming, mindless media that I remember consuming in the 90s. You were there for Rodney the Rodney King, O.J. Simpson. Well, and, like, and, and I mean more mundane shit, like the 1994 Community Reinvestment Act. I mm-hmm. can absolutely tell you that that is what caused the 2008 mortgage meltdown mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. But it just took fourteen the, years for it to happen. Right. Humans don't have that kind. That of That and the spending. reversal
1: of the Glass-Steagall Act, in my act, in my opinion. Well, I mean, it. In it, what was seventy-six? I think it was. Or but,
3: but you guys say. were also there for the birth of CNN, for the birth of cable news, for, for the, the twenty-four-hour news, cycle. the Fox yeah. News yeah. network. You got. I mean, I was there for for some of that too, but you guys were older. You were there for the transition from newspapers and Walter Cronkite. Mm-hmm. To the Turner Network, and you know uh, the 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 transition from news magazines to consumer magazines, mm-hmm. you know, and all that you saw, you experienced, even if you didn't realize it while it was happening, you can remember the way it used to be.
0: Well, I do absolutely, and it, it's interesting that you say that. You know, news magazines to consumer magazines. So when I was really young. I wanted to be informed, and I read Time, and I read Newsweek, and I was like, you know, I didn't realize at the time that they had such a left bias to them, but what I observed was that they got it wrong, and they never really apologized or acknowledged that they got it wrong from a historical context, and it drove me away from those publications as being reputable because... They were out there spewing shit that was so self-righteous and self-assured that if you weren't informed
1: and doing your own research, right. you know, you... Which was harder to do back then. I you, mean, unless you, you were plugged into a BBS or, you know, you were, I don't know, or... Or taught or, to use a library as part of your Or taught to use a library, sure. Because that,
0: that was... You know, my generation, like, hey, this is the Dewey Decimal system. This is how you Dewey use the, decimal
3: mic- system. Use the yeah. microfiche to go look at old wow. periodicals. Throwback, and stuff dude. like that. fucking boomer. For, for sure. But, <laughs> so so the Boomer generation is characterized, and probably rightly so, for being extremely dogmatic and stuck in their ways. And and in, in 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 a weird contrast, the millennial and Zoomer generation gets the same characterization even though we call them open-minded the fact is they're very entrenched in what they think and there is this conflict between these two generations and really the only people qualified to mediate this conflict are the people who have a foot in both of these worlds but i don't
0: i don't want to mediate i just
3: want to mow them both i think we're
1: actually (laughs) past that i think because the millennials are largely educating the zoomers and the Parents of the millennials are Gen Xers, and they're just trying to be—they're trying to be open-minded. They're trying to be accepting, and so that's why there's no revolt Mm -hmm. against the wokeism from the Generation Xers. I mean, there are some. I don't know how old Bill Burr is. I think he might be—he's Gen X. He's Gen X, but I mean, he's in his mid—he's in his late forties, late forties. So he's—I see his stuff, and I'm like, dude, this guy is like fucking with it, man. He th- he says the things that I think. Yeah. That I I'm not creative enough to formulate in a way that he does,
3: but god damn, he's right on the money. Technically Joe Rogan is Gen X. Technically, Bill uh Dave Chappelle is Gen X. And these although, are the people that I like it, although enjoy listening get, to. Like th- if you were to pop culture them, they'd probably get classified as boomers. Sure. Um, but Rogan is almost fifty five, that is five years past uh the cutoff. Or the, technically, for the boomers, and so uh, these are these are the older ones in the Gen X who who have some attention, who have some clout, and we're like, so we're hearing them all the time, and we're like, that's it's exactly what I think. The technology technologically illiterate wing of Gen X. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, technologically illiterate, but culturally savvy. savvy yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so you get someone like Joe Rogan who who started his media empire on Justin TV, which was basically like two clicks in your, in your broadcasting. Right. You know, like there's no in-depth knowledge or thought that goes into this. It's just like, hey, let's talk. A platform built by Gen Xers. Right. <laughs> and, like he doesn't understand it. He's just using it. Sure. Uh, but very culturally savvy and very uh, what we would call more awake – to what's going on where, you know, I love gays. I love uh, drugs and I love personal liberty. And also this corruption is bullshit. And I want to have meaningful conversations and you know, all that stuff.
1: I, I would, I would say Russell Brand is probably in kind of like the same bucket with him to a degree. As far as like age, he's probably younger. I think Russell Brand's probably in his late forties also, but he's kind of in that upper older Gen X or crowd mm-hmm. who his, you know, he's a celebrity and he's got a platform that's actually growing exponentially online. People are, I'm surprised he hasn't actually been canceled yet off YouTube because he's got like, I think you're around 6 million subscribers, maybe seven by now. He could
3: be controlled opposition. I don't. I don't believe he is. You never know. You never. I mean, people think that Alex Jones is controlled opposition. That's more know, believable like. to me.
1: Actually, <laughs> I, I think that I think that Russell Brand's more authentic than even Alex Jones. I think Alex Jones is an entertainer, mm-hmm. like a uh, an actual boomer, like uh, what's his face that did the radio show and still does it on Sirius. Oh, uh, Stern. Stern, right? right? You know, Shock and Awe. Mm-hmm. Uh, get reaction out of people. I think that's what Alex Jones's thing is, and I'm sure he actually does some like real work and what he does. But at the end of the day, it's entertainment. It's it's showmanship, right? It's putting on a show. Um, whereas I think Joe Rogan and people like Russell Brand are more authentic in their their desire for actually communicating what what they've discovered or, mm-hmm. or their their research or their analysis of what's happening in the world, whether it's You know, the ties between, you know, the the corporate greed and COVID, you know, or uh, the cabal or whatever the fuck you want to call it as far as like the World Economic
3: Forum. The the Gen Xers are old enough to remember when it was cool to hate the pharmaceutical companies. Right.
1: And now a lot of them have been working for them for a long time.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, but Gen Xers are the ones that are like, wait a minute. Why are we all on board with this shit? Right. When we used to hate them, we used to not trust them. Where the millennials, they don't have a good strong memory of that. The millennials are more likely to be like, no, the big corporations that uh, they're looking out for us and the well, government wouldn't fuck because us. Because they
1: provide them convenience. Mm-hmm. You know, Apple, Google, Amazon, DoorDash, Uber Eats. They <laughs> Pfizer. Pre- <Mark>. Pfizer, <laughs> Merck. They provide convenience. They provide a ut- provide a utility in a sense. Yeah. Where for us, it was never looked at like that. And they provided Adderall. Well, that too. I mean, are you ever going to go against that? ritalin adderall i've yeah. never
3: tried adderall i'm afraid i would you know what we should do much. it like on a
1: podcast we should get uh, some
3: dude we'd have to procure only three pills because otherwise <laughs> i'd be like I mean, right, sell me just, the rest of what you own or we could just hear okay cocaine whatever, you know. there we go <laughs> it's harder to come by so it's a little easier to resist <laughs> i think cocaine is easier to get <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. we I need think, some, i think
1: it's harder to find without fentanyl in it though so, That's a good point. That's the danger about doing cocaine these days. Yeah,
3: especially uh, in the part of the country where we are. It's a highway to hell when it comes to, sure. to drug trafficking. Sure, of course. Uh, I think uh, Liberty AF podcast needs some shirts that say something like, Gen X equals Rosetta Stone. I like that. Adderall is uh, is good for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so merch definitely could be down the road at some point. I mean, we just have to keep a consistent like schedule. Maybe we what can are you do. Talking every, about, we're like on track. Very to do consistent. One very consistent. See, January, months, <laughs> January to August. Yeah, <laughs> only
0: uh, seven months. months between. So I have, have to, to believe it was the end of January because
1: we all had the Ronin. You're right. Beginning. It was the end of January. We actually
3: had a schedule then. Yeah, we're yeah
1: doing, we're, we're early. We're, so this even is a biannual if, podcast, <laughs> we're good. We're gonna. I'm gonna try to keep you guys to a schedule. I'm gonna also try to get some of our other guys on. The younger guys. We've got three guys in our click of our click of what nine that are def they're in their uh mid-20s so i think it'd be good even if we pipe him in over signal or something you know into the podcast very very zoomer very zoomer thing to do which is cool because i
3: have the ability to do that because i'm a gen xer that's right you can cross you can cross streams (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: and and,
3: uh you should get dad on here i would like that yeah because he's definitely a boomer He's he is old boomer. He's an old boomer. Yep.
1: Yeah, boomer all the way. Yeah, um, and you know, just I think that these kinds of conversations help me a lot, and hopefully for the people that are listening, help because my goal isn't to try to convince people that I'm right at all. That's not that's, that's not my boomer objective talk right there. No, that's it's boomer shit. We don't want none of that because I only learn by having conversations, speaking, and then listening.
3: That's, Speaking, that's the Gen X. Of you.
1: And it. Yeah. Right. So for me, I know in every conversation, there's a nugget to take away from the conversation. Joel, you have know, talked about that before. It's like, you can have a great conversation with somebody. You agree with maybe 1% of what they say, but there's a nugget that you can take away that you can apply to your, your methodology for, for processing, you know, things through a bullshit meter or whatever you want to call it. And it actually really does help in a productive sense because you can not only not start to look at things from other people's perspective and, and, and point of views or their shoes or whatever you want to call it, but you can actually be a little bit more compassionate. And I think that's one of the biggest things that our generation has to offer is compassion. We're almost over-compassionate to a fault. You know what I mean? As far as a, as far as a generation populace, because some of the newer generations... Have very little compassion because it's like if you're
3: not seeing it this way,
1: you're the enemy, you're the terrorist, you're the white supremacist, you're this it, or whatever co- it is. They
3: cloak it in compassion, and so it's like it's a, it's literally well, compassion it's to it's a not fault. just
1: that because you actually again going back to what I said at the very beginning of the podcast, you actually it's not about being acceptant. it's about being an ally. Mm-hmm. You have to actually stand up and put your fists in the air and join to be considered
3: not an enemy combatant, right? I, w- I would classify that as compassionate to a fault. I think the idea of being over compassionate is the idea that you abandon all logic and reason in favor of supporting whoever it is is Well and supporting. it's also a
1: pursuit of peace mm-hmm. I will compromise if it means that we can be peaceful because I think ultimately which leads to more conflict which leads to more conflict mm-hmm. of course, but that's where it's like you know give an inch get take you know take a mile kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we are right now. Yeah. So well, I learned a lot. I did too. We're uh, exactly two hours and twenty nine minutes in. Jesus. So, are you guys on board for trying to do maybe at least a biweekly? Maybe bi-weekly, even if it's phoned in, even if it's phoned in.
3: Biweekly is going to be tough for me. Even if you can call in, but over, if, the, if, over the interwebs, if I could do it on Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights, we do. We can do it anytime. From nine thirty, church
1: night. It's Bible study night, bro. From 9.30. You know what Wednesday is? It. Wednesday night is business Gymnasium. time. Business. <laughs> <laughs> if there was ever a Gen X
3: thing reference, <laughs> it's the Flight of the Condors. Flight of the Concords. Is it Concords or Condors? Condors. Okay. Uh I think it's Concords. Yeah, I
0: just spelled like storage. Oh, is it
1: Concords? Maybe it's Concords. I'm I'm crossfaded as fuck, dude. <laughs> Between the White Claws, a little bit of weed, and some bourbon, I'm kind of in a different... I'm in a very good spot, honestly. Nice. I can't talk for shit, so... <laughs> Flight of the concords.
3: Flight of the Concords.
1: Yes. All right. So, okay.
3: Well, we can record on Wednesday nights. I got no problem with that. All right. Well, all thanks. Right. Thank you, everybody. All 26 people who may listen to this in the next 10 years. It's actually
1: quite a bit more than that. We actually had a Patreon subscriber... Oh shit and then he, bad for he him, left dude. because we didn't put out a fucking <laughs> episode. So <laughs> he was in the right. It's the market. But work. he's on he's he's on our Mastodon server. Oh, so Kane, if you're listening, yeah. we appreciate you and we're sorry we're such fucking losers. Yeah. And we'll catch you in the next one. Peace. Later.
3: A yeah, I ain't taking orders in command light. Yeah, you about to see me under man light. Like, you know under man. If you ain't know, you about to understand. Got the team.